0: We are back live, Union of the Unwanted. We've got a whole bunch of people here today. Charlie, I mean, what do you got to say about all this? We're going to get deep into the occult. We're going to get into some real fascinating stuff. This is a topic I I have a limited knowledge about, but I tell you what, I know the people that know the information. And so do so does Mike. So we're glad to have everybody on. Uh, we just opened up a Union of the Unwanted Merchandise store. The link is in the description on YouTube. You can go check it out. We made there were so many people asking for it. We felt compelled to do it. It's great stuff. The quality of the shirts and products are really high. I've got a good. I've got one on right now. False flag shirt from my store. So you don't do have. Do we to have any? About. Do we have any? Do we have any man thongs? We're working on them. Hey-o. Okay. We are working on the man thongs because everybody likes a good one. Uh, so anyway, let's go. We got everyone coming on. Sam's in the house. Sammy, how God, you feeling? How is everybody? We're good.
1: Thank you, everyone. I don't know what uh, Midnight Mike and Chris has told you, but uh, this has been something we've been doing for a little while and it's uh, had a lot of love and success. and. As chaotic as it might seem, it's actually a lot more order. Uh, it's real simple. Uh, if you want to talk, you just either put your hand up or message Charlie, Mike, or myself, and we'll, we'll call on you. And it's just a general conversation. And we just go from there, and it's a lot of fun. And I've had most of you on my shows, and uh, or you've been on mine, or, or Charlie's, or Mike's show, and, and Ricky, who's normally with us. And we'll uh, just have a fun conversation. You know, the topic is the occult and all that stuff. And I can't wait. Uh, yes. A big announcement, Bishop Larry Gators has has blocked me on Twitter, which I don't know what I did. But I've been, I've been blocked by Bishop Larry oh, Gators. Man. So enjoy that. Um, and
2: who is Bishop Larry
1: Gators? Uh, he's this guy that calls himself a bishop. And he's super entertaining. But for some reason, he just blocked me. He's been on my show a bunch of he's times. He's a weirdo. He is a he weirdo, is a weirdo but, but he's an entertaining weirdo, and that's coming from an entertaining weirdo, okay? So, I mean... But it's uh, kind of interesting.
3: I mean, you gotta be... It's like different. It's like, you're sane weirdos, and there's insane weirdos. You know? yeah. like, <laughs> he's like... Uh, like, he's just... Uh, he's. Super weird, and I had him on my show, and then like the the, the day after he was talking shit about me. I'm like, Y'all, I've never had a guest come on my show and then talk shit about me the day after. But yeah, I he's nobody to worry about.
1: So, uh, yeah, I, yeah, I agree, dude. I, it was just funny. It's it just it was like Johnny was so pissed, and then he's like, he blocked me. I'm like, what? And I went to, him, he blocked me and everybody on the show. I'm like, damn. So uh, I don't know how you guys want to kick this off and get it started, but a topic, but. I guess we can just get into it and go. And, I guys, an idea.
0: I got an idea okay. for a for topic since we're talking about the occult. And here in the United States, last night we had the Megan. Hold Michael. on. Do you
1: want to start right now? Ooh. Yeah, we're, we're on. Oh, we're we're live. live big time. Ah, yeah, you're late. Can you dig it? And welcome to, <laughs> to the Union of the Unwanted bringing all the cool kids together so go on charlie sorry about that i just
0: well we had the we had the the royals you know that the royal interview the the henry and uh and megan and and i felt like it was a kind of a maybe a wake-up call for a lot of the normie people in the u.s to go hey wait maybe there's something wrong with the royal family there might be you know i'm not saying that everything they said was right or accurate but there might be some question marks here right you guys, and we've got a team here that has dissected the deep meaning, the the royals, the hidden uh, symbolism in all of this. Why don't we start there? Why don't we start with what's going on in the UK with the royal family and the, what they've been imposing on the rest of the world for what seems like generations? That it's it's so bizarre, and yet they have this perfect cover by with a with a, a seemingly sweet little old lady who just kind of wanders around, and everyone says, "Oh, she's the queen," isn't that cute? but there's a darkness there is there not
1: yeah and anybody can jump in anytime they want and talk about yeah. but yeah i mean like there's so much going on with the royals everything about them is dark their history is dark they they literally brag about being you know related to val and impaler i mean it's just it's it starts at creepy and just gets creepier
4: Did everyone costs- forget about did anyone forget about the the group of kids that went missing and then they ended up getting sued and there's a warrant out for their arrest right now.
0: Yeah. In Canada in the sixties,
5: right?
1: Or yeah. how somebody went to basically arrest them on that warrant. They grabbed them and threw him in a hospital and he's never been seen since. So yep. Yeah, I mean, it comes to everything, all the symbolism. You know, for me, man, the big thing was, you know, their symbolism will be their downfall. And that's not really a cute thing, but more about the symbolism and everything. And, you know, uh, Chris Knowles was uh, on my show before, and uh, he really talked a lot about, you know, something I really wanted to get in, which was, like, we're going through a lot of this, um, Me, you know, Me Too and I'll go and the, the demon star. Can you get into that, Chris? Cause man, that really blew my mind.
2: Well, that's, you know, that's an entire conversation. I mean, something I've been looking at trying to figure out what the eye of forest is, you know, cause we've seen this for years, you know, we've seen this kind of thing and you know, this kind of thing and you know, all this kind of symbolism. So what I've done, you know, what I did is that I kind of looked at, you know, I broke down all the symbolism Realize that it's all stellar symbolism and that the, uh, the eye of Horus, as it's known, is, um, is Algol, the demon star, which is in the Constellation of Perseus. And for some reason, this is really important to a lot of these occult groups and uh, secret societies and Freemasons and so on. Uh, you know, like the character Rasha Ghul in the Batman movies, I mean, that's, that's where the name Algol comes from. The star Algol comes from Rasha Ghul, which is the demon's head. So, um, you know, we see this all over the place, you know, see this in a lot of royal family, uh, a lot of their symbolism, um, you know, the, the thing that, that really strikes me as funny though, is that I call, I call Prince Harry, the bastard ginger or the ginger bastard, <laughs> which I mean, I mean, cause it's so clear that his father is, uh, at least clear to me, his father is uh, major Harry Hewitt who had a had an affair around the time of, um, Harry's conception and uh you know is a ginger and uh looks very much like harry and then i you know i think this whole thing with uh megan megan name means pearl and pearls something i've been looking at a lot um you know symbolism of pearls um I think that whole marriage was a was a huge um it was either a huge publicity stunt or it was some kind of sting operation to get harry out of the uh the royal family get him out of the line of succession and it, it could have actually been both um Qu- queen elizabeth who i call queen a lizard beast um, she's an extremely canny and clever and conniving woman who's um generally uh, i think is grossly underestimated as far as the uh, power that she wields and that the influence that she has so i I think that this whole thing i don't know if it's actually going to hurt the um the royals i think it's just going to add to their mystique you know people sort of love like you know these worldwide villains which you know you can certainly argue the the windsors are and um i i think it's just going to grow their power to be honest with you um I think that, you know, Harry would have, Harry and Meghan would have um, had an unfortunate um, skiing accident had they, you know, had they not been able to be manipulated uh, enough (laughs) or or well enough. So I'm I'm actually, you know, I'm really cynical about this whole thing. And, you know, just the fact that Oprah's involved, I mean, Oprah, who's, I mean, you name a, a mass child sex trafficker who's, Not involved with Oprah in some way (laughs) or some fashion, you know. uh, The most recent being uh, John, John of Brazil. So um, I I think this is all orchestrated. I think that this is all being, um, you know, presented to reach certain goals. And um, you know, just don't be surprised if um, Harry and Meghan, you know, have meet an unfortunate end um, in in the near future. I, I would say.
1: We had a couple people. Mark, would you like to go? Then we'll go, Mika, and on to Michael.
5: Yeah, I, I just wanted to start really quick by saying that, you know, so often when we get into the occult, we're we're quick to get into the extremes. But let's not forget that occult, esoteric, these words just mean hidden. So when we're talking about these subjects, it's important to remember that you know, it's not limited to demon possession. It's not limited to these extremes that the Christian right so often kind of calls the occult. I think we have to remember that King James, the guy who wrote the Bible, he was also writing a book called Demonology. He was extremely fascinated with this stuff. And I think there you can look to see where we see this split. You know, we see more and more materialism after this King James Bible was written because they stripped out a lot of the occult esoteric stuff that was in there. And sure enough, that's in the UK, right? King James, we're talking about the royal family again. So when we're talking about the occult, the royal family often comes up because they are at the pinnacle of society. They've used all these tools like occult processes, divination, uh, encounters with entities. These things are all tools that they've used to get to this level. And, you know, I don't think we would be where we are without secret societies. I think it's it's a mixed bag. They've played good and bad roles throughout history, but I'll stop there and let Micah take over.
1: Micah.
4: Yeah,
5: appreciate it. Um,
4: What I want to do is I want to intermittently just jump into you guys and just show you a couple of hand symbols um, and basically tell you like where they come from because the truth of the matter is is that these hand symbols that everyone's scared of like this, like this, all this kind of stuff, it all actually comes from a good place. It's just been perverted. For instance, this one, okay, the Jay-Z rock nation where you sometimes see it over the eye you see it like this you guys have seen this symbol before right live long and prosper
1: Fuck,
5: bro.
4: right well this one this actually comes from this symbol and what this was was an ancient hebrew kohanim priest but it's called the benediction and this is what they used to put on the congregation in temple in order to bless them and purify them so jay-z just co-opted it and made it this but originally it comes from this you know, and all these, all these different kinds of things like this, for example, um, if you take this, this is supposed to be six 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 or the white power sign or whatever. That's just the sign on the sign If you take this and you invert it like this, okay, which is where it comes from. That's basically the Buddhist Aum. It's the lotus position in meditation. So that's basically where it comes from. So I'm just gonna jump in once in a while no. and just
1: and dude that is almost everything they're doing like yeah. you know the conspiracy theorists go nuts when they see the, s- the spiral that's just right. the, that's just the hindu sign for uh, uh the universe and they just do right. it over and over and over again mm-hmm. so all the good things are bad i mean the swastika mm-hmm. is the hindu symbol for peace it just i mean it's go it's they are what is up is really down which is kind of what you know we've been getting into on tim fall hat is like they're kind Mm -hmm. of erasing our history so we don't know who we are and where we come from michael would you like (laughs) to go
4: well sam real quick i'm sorry i don't mean to like break up the cipher or anything but the swastika actually goes further back from the hindus it's actually astro theology which i talked a little bit on your show when i was on with you if you take the big dipper and you take a picture of it at the solstices in the equinox and you put it together you get the swastika that's where it comes from it's been known thousands of years
1: yep that's what they do man they take the, they take pure and they flip it Mike, would you like
6: to go? Yeah, definitely. Well, first off, this is Mike Juan at Susquehanna Alchemy, and I want to just say I'm happy to be here. There are a lot of people here who have listened to, and so this is a real treat for me. Uh, and I want to just jump right into, like, you know, <laughs> I mean, this is just my perspective, but, like, you know, the, 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 the prince on Oprah, like, like it's their story. Like I mean, I I I agree with Chris in, in the fact that like there's there's more to like whatever whatever uh, uh, um, the prince like you know the red haired prince like he has got like some role to what degree I don't know but he's definitely not part of like that inner circle but when he goes on Oprah like you know that's part of the that's part of the theater and the theater is always magic I mean the whole thing is magic you I, I remember like what was it, a couple years ago there were like pictures of like people. Like hanging out of the windows of like one of their like uh, uh, country estates, like in their like the the national newspapers, like they want us to know this, like for whatever reason. I mean, I think that's part of like like the hypnosis or the rubbing the nose in it, but like that's part of like whatever's going on. Um, Queen Elizabeth II, she is in harmony with Queen Elizabeth I. Queen Elizabeth I was the predecessor in the setting up of King James. Like uh, this is all like this this 400-year period. When she came in, like she was like completing something that began 400 years ago. So like this is like, like a, I mean, the, the whole thing, like all of it, like we're so in, ingratiated with this theatrical magic with all of these different elements of it. Like, you know, everywhere we turn around, we're looking at it. Now, the last thing i want to say though is like to understand like they the 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 nature of these individuals is like just the whole jimmy savile case like as soon as you go and like you actually see like this is true like this seems to have been like understood by everyone and you put that in context with like all of the other stories that are put out of like you know the good guys who are put in our american media and and like how they're actually like monsters behind the scenes like like that's, you know, the proof's in the pudding. That's the world we live in. Those are the people who are telling our stories. Oprah's best friends with, with John of God. Like, I mean, you know. They're Did telling everyone
4: happened to see everyone happen to see Oprah's uh, ankle monitor sticking out of her boot today?
1: No. Stop. <laughs> Stop. No, I'm really? serious.
4: Yeah. Oh, you, I... it's, it's, it's in a boot. It's in a boot. You can clearly see the head of the monitor. <laughs> who what?
6: There was? There was someone... There was someone else this week. I think it was Romney, but someone on that level who just was uh, uh, initiated into the Black Eye Club. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, you know,
6: I just had two babies. I love them very much.
1: They're one years old, and we, you know, we watch a little bit of our our uh, children's television. And for some reason, man, every single kid show. They, they pound into you how cool the Royals are. There's always some Royals family that, oh, you're going to Dreamland, and you're meeting Royals there, and over there it's loving, and they just want everybody to have fun, and they're so nice to everybody in Dreamland, make-believe land, and this is the beginning of the programming to worshiping Royals and that they live in this special place, and it's and they're not like us, and they're magical, so, Yeah jay dyer
7: you want to jump in sure yeah i was uh just thinking back to a couple of things i put in the beginning of my book which actually did tie into the british elites because they're on record as actually having uh eyes wide shut style parties there if you can see in the bottom there's there's prince uh, uh harry or prince, prince uh, william excuse me and then you've got all of the uh same heads uh of Uh, People at that party, they're also heads in the Sonic Lodges. So the the World Freemasonry is, of course, for many centuries, been headquartered in London. Uh, You can go visit the place. It's it's pretty well known. And that's because it functions like a secret, uh, like an intelligence network. So there's there's a close parallel between the way intelligence networks operate and the way secret societies operate. And this goes all the way back to John B., right? Queen Elizabeth's, uh, chief spy, who is the first 007. So he would actually sign his letter 007 to signify to the queen, uh, you know, what the secret message was or whatever. I mean, he was also a famous ritual magician, right? So he was working with Edward Kelly to summon the dead supposedly and, uh, right. Um, developed an entire mystical angel language Enochian, Right. So, so John D is one of the classic examples of how far back this, uh, Occult angle on the British Empire goes, but they also use it as a front, as a way to um literally do mind control, right? So I think there's so many cases now of like deep satanic level stuff uh, that comes out in relationship to the to the British elite that it's almost beyond question. I was a conspiracy theory for 20 years, 30 years, but um you know, you look at Ted Heath, you look at Savile, I was just doing a series, by the way, on serial killers. And so I've gone a, done a deep dive on the serial killers. In many cases, we find that um, there's not only connections between them, but connections to very high level people, military intelligence. Uh, so they seem to function like hit squads in many cases. One clear example: somebody mentioned Savile, uh, the uh, Yorkshire Ripper. One of the bodies was found in uh, Savile's backyard. So uh, <laughs> there you go. I mean, there's so many instances of these uh, connections, not just at the high level, but they'll use these low-level idiots and, and goofballs, right, patsies to kind of do their dirty work. We see the same thing with Mark Dutro, right? Dutro was a uh, Epstein-style operation in Belgium, and Dutro took the fall as the procurer, and he's actually the one that, you know, went to jail. And But he said, you know, gave all this testimony that there were the, that, uh, the prince of Belgium was present uh, elite members of the Roman Catholic church were present at their pink ballets, which were their eyes wide shut style dungeon parties. And the only way anybody knew about this was that one of the girls snuck out of the dungeon. And uh, I just dug up the 19 or 2002 article from the guardian mainstream news. Uh, I didn't even know this till the other day doing this uh, serial killer deep dive. This is my last point here. I'll, I'll let somebody else speak, but there was a um, order placed by a, satan- a satanic high priest in Italy to Dutro. So they call, he called Dutro and said, uh, you know, I I want, I don't know, three women. I don't know what he ordered exactly, but uh, this is on record as part of that uh, Dutro affair that there were satanic elements even to the Dutro stuff. And so you go, you go into this stuff and, and you find it's a very dark and uh, demonic realm that we we can go into with the british elites for sure
5: yeah absolutely i mean those who uh don't know me mark palmer uh my family thinks i'm crazy i did an episode on sam's show uh about alistair crowley and you know we we got into how alistair crowley was raised in this aristocracy in england he was very privileged He had the opportunity to go, you know, mountaineering in his early life. And that kind of gave him this spiritual perspective that then devolved into, uh, you know, pedophilia and, and all these different satanic seeming rituals. It's fraught within these communities, you know, and especially England, France, Spain, Italy. These countries are very classist and amongst the higher classes. You know, they breed this kind of uh, banality where they have the freedom to to get into these strange interests. And I think it's, it's, it's integral to how they've gotten to where they are. Like Michael said earlier with the theater of things, I think theater is a big part of it. Now we see it with the mass media, but before they had television... They were using plays and books and all these different forms of early propaganda to create these narratives like that have evolved into what Sam was saying, you know, royals on kids shows. But Ken, you you raised your hand. You got something to say, uh, Pat?
1: Oddman's next real quick, and then we'll we'll go through Oddman. You had something you wanted to add? Yeah,
8: man, I've been doing this uh, research on this group called the Pilgrim Society, which claims to be just like a dinner society for Brits and Americans. It was started in 1902, and it came out of that whole Rhodes Roundtable. And I did—I never thought much about the conspiracy about you know Britain actually controlling the U.S., and I don't really believe that exactly. But I tell you what, man, the more I dive into these pilgrims, it's the who's who of everybody who came out of the Rhodes round table. It's the, the Royals and the Royals are Royals are a huge part of it. And, and in fact, you know, they funded Cecil Rhodes partially to go over to uh, Rhodesia and, and mine for the diamonds and the gold there. But uh, if you start to connect the dots to all these pilgrims, it's unbelievable what they're connected to. They were started that long ago but there's this one guy lord Purbright, who married one of the rothschilds she died young and he inherited her fortune well there's the Purbright institute and this is how they relate to today's everything that's going on today the Purbright institute makes vaccines and bill gates is invested in the Purbright institute and i'm telling you man the the royals like they own so much property it's just unbelievable so the more you really follow the dots connect the dots it it leads back to the royal family and uh, i'm talking about high finance you know the medical uh, vaccines and all kinds of things with healthcare and whatnot and so i think that uh the royals are way more powerful i think than i ever thought i thought they were just political theater you know but uh, there's definitely something, because they are they're so close to the Rothschild, you can't really separate the two.
9: Ken, would you like to go? Yeah, I was just gonna point out the issue of being connected and well off, uh, comes into play quite often. You mentioned Aleister Crowley, and it's the same situation with uh, Helena Petrovna Blavatsky and Manly P. Hall, is that these people were well-funded enough that you know, they didn't have to bother with living, you know, real lives (laughs) and go to work and uh, do this kind of thing. They were able to pursue their esoteric uh, proclivities and travel the world gathering, you know, quote unquote, wisdom. And there's something to be said for that. Now in Crowley, what I find interesting is you get this typical satanic inversion of uh, the concept that uh, vice is actually virtue. So his his uh, view was that he would commit as many sins as possible because he considered those to be virtuous and, and just in typical satanic style of calling good evil and evil good, right? Like the Bible tells us, putting bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Um, now this goes back to um, a man from the 1600s named Shabtides V, who noted that the, the Talmud Bavli, the uh, the Babylonian Talmud, states that the Messiah would come either in a generation that was altogether wicked or in a generation that would be altogether righteous. So he figures, well, can I imagine a generation that'll be altogether righteous? Yeah, Not likely. But how about a generation that's altogether wicked? That seemed more likely to him. So he figured, I'm gonna start gathering a following and encourage them to commit as many sins as humanly possible for the twisted motivation that that would cause the messiah to come. (laughs) That was the year 1666
4: too, by the way. Go figure.
9: So, I mean, you have this concept of, you know, it's okay that we're committing all kinds of sins and teaching people to do so because we're so deluded, right, that we have a concept that this is going to bring about salvation. And this is sort of the, uh, the psychological and spiritual band-aid that these people have to place over their souls <laughs> to do these horrendous things and delude themselves into thinking that we have uh, ethically acceptable reasons for doing so.
1: That's how I bad hold it is. Out. The yeah. Deception. One thing I, I, that for sure you start to notice uh, with a lot of these cultural uh, icons is how many of them are trust fund kids, how many of them, I mean, even going back to Buddha, right? Buddha was a rich kid who just like, I got to go find pain. And he went around to try to find some pain. You know, Alistair Crowley, same thing. And then, you know, when Mark was on my show, he brought up, you know, we just heard about how uh, Jimmy Selval had, um, you know, a body found in him. You know, Alistair Crowley bragged about hooking up with one of his housemaids and, Getting caught, and she had to become a hooker, and she was one of the victims of Jack the Ripper. And it's just like you see. I mean, it's the exact thing that Malcolm X, and and uh, the Unabomber talked about about how there's, like, there's super also, white. What's that going?
7: I'm sorry. Go ahead. I thought you're done. Oh I no! Know, just like the
1: super super white liberals are like dangerous because so someone said it earlier. They don't get you know, hope and idealism fucked out of them by life. That's a big part of life is just taking a beating and like kind of getting adjusted. That's why when I hear everyone's like, I want 16 year olds to vote. I'm like, they've lived no life. They know nothing. If we want them voting on best video game, I'm for that. Anything outside of that, wait wait till you're like 30, then you can start voting. I don't want to hear anything about it. Okay. But uh, yeah, man, I mean, we see these are rich kids. I mean, if you want to take a look at Nick Kroll and the things that like Nick Kroll's show, Nick Kroll's a part of, what his dad was a part of. It's like more rich kids, man. Just more, and more rich kids. All these people on television. I mean, the Emmys have just the Emmys, the Golden Globes, have just become like rich kids' circle jerks, man. They're just like, hey, we went to private school together. Let's give each other trophies. And we're we're winning participation trophies. That's what it is, man. And I think that's a big problem with Hollywood right now. They've been exposed that they're just circle jerking each other and nobody wants to be a part of it anymore. Micah?
4: Hey, so Sam, I wanted to tell you a quick story. I've been meaning to email it to you, but I've, just, I've been doing a podcast or two or three every day. Um, when I was on your show last, uh, after it was done, I had a 32nd degree Mason reach out to me and he told me that he had never heard the information that I had given before. He had never heard it before. And since then, my local Masonic chapter has been like pursuing me hard to join. So I thought I'd throw that out to this group. Drew, go undercover. Get- <laughs> no, With a don't name do- like oh, Dank, no. he's already
5: oh. undercover. Come on. You think that's a real last name, Dank? <laughs> <laughs> Chris, you so had think- something to say? Yeah,
2: yeah I did. Um, I'm not sure, was it Ken who, who uh, talked about the Sabbateans? Uh, In 1666, Sabbatized V. Um, the interesting thing about that is that his teachings were not in any way uh, original. It goes all the way back to a uh, a teacher from um, Alexandria, Egypt, during the second century named uh, Carpocrates, who had a sect called the Carpocratians. I'm sure Jay knows all about this, Jay. Um, I'm sure Jay might be able to speak to this uh, in greater detail, but they, um, it was also this whole idea of salvation through sin and, um, somehow purifying the body through sin, all the same ideas that, you know, became better known and more prominent during the uh, 17th century, uh, with the Francists and the Sabbataians really go back to, um, this Gnostic sect called the, uh, who people like Clement of Alexandria and Arrhenius had spoken of. Jay, did you? Uh, could you elaborate
7: on that? Yeah, you're right. There's a lot of different groups that have these kind of um, antinomian tendencies, meaning that they felt like you could derive power by going against the God that's present in the Old Testament. right? So the, one of the common strands amongst the Gnostic sects of the early centuries was that they thought that the Bible God is the bad guy, so it's inverted, right? And so, if you sinned or committed actions against that God, that was actually a good thing, right? So in this story, Lucifer t- tends to become a liberator, um, and and that that's why they would have that antinomian uh, tendency to, you know, I mean, you can see that all the way up into like Levee, right? To even Levee says that when you act against that God, you're sort of you know, declaring your independence. Um, one thing I did want to dovetail, I'm not trying to change the subject, was just that it reminded me that um, Crowley was also an MI5 asset. Uh, there's a good book by uh, Dr. Richard Spence that my publisher puts out, uh, Secret Agent 666, where he details the history of Crowley as a British spy. And uh, there's evidence to suggest that even Blavatsky too might have been um, doing br- British intelligence work. And that's because a lot of the occultists were, are into... <laughs> Uh, are also spies, right? And what better cover for being a traveling mystic, going to other countries and, you know, seeing the the mystical sites. Oh, but you're also, uh, you happen to be a spy too, right? This, the Bolsheviks did this. There's a good essay on this, The Bolsheviks Occult War, by a friend of mine who's a Russia translator. But many, many cases of this that uh, is worth looking at as well.
1: Mike, do you want to go away?
6: Yeah, uh, and well, I, I just want to drill in one one level deeper and just maybe state the obvious, uh, which what Jay was saying is like uh, the, the birth or at least the modern birth of state sponsored spycraft, as you talk about like with Jay, with John D. and 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 ritual magic, and they're playing the conscious playing in in, in the invisible world for what for whatever purposes, like they're hand in hand. They've never been separate. You know, it's just the idea that we're calling them separate, whether it's, whether it's uh, Crowley or, or, or whomever, uh, the Pilgrim Society. You're absolutely right. They're, that's definitely connected. So uh, that, I think, is, is when we're looking at, at those two different topics, Like you, are, you have to appreciate the fact that they're the same beast.
7: Well, can I add one? One I just remembered a um, good example of, of British intelligence – And the occult connection is uh, the Berkowitz uh, Process Church connection, right? So the Process Church comes out of England. And if you read the backstory of that, the Process Church appears to have connections to British intelligence when it started. And then it's a commonality between both Manson and Berkowitz. The Members of the Process Church appear to be involved in both of those events. And
2: Cropsey Cropsey on Staten Island as well, there was a tie-in with... um, because of for some bizarre reason uh what's his face uh DeGrimston was living on Staten Island at yes, the time the, yes. that guy got around see i i i did some writing on that and i wrote about this in my my recent book the endless american midnight cuz i'd looked at the um the process and what they really struck me very strongly as uh and this is just purely opinion for legal reasons but i i just saw them as a um, as a drug running front because they spent time in like the Bahamas and the, you know, the Gulf of Mexico and Louisiana and just like all these sort of like hot spots for smuggling. And then they, you know, they have a, a an office in Mayfair and then they have uh, churches in, in very ritzy upper crust neighborhoods in San Francisco and Los Angeles and Boston, uh, you know, the back Bay in Boston. And these, these people had a lot of money behind them and they just, popped up out of nowhere, and all of a sudden, they're publishing magazines and have a movie theater. And like I said, they're going all over the Gulf of Mexico into all these uh, smuggling hotspots. So I, I think that, you know, there's a, you know, just in a this is something else that Jay can speak to with greater authority than myself. But there's, you know, a tremendous crossover between uh, these occult groups, intelligence, and uh, drug rings, drug smuggling.
7: The British used to control those drug rings, so that's exactly right.
5: Well, you know, and let's not let's not forget it it was fashionable in that time to be in intelligence if you were of a certain status, right? And and that's how intelligence operated because these Uh, you know notable people were the type of people you were gathering intelligence from so naturally if you were going to these wealthy parties and in these wealthy circles you might get recruited and as intelligence evolved to be more reliant on technology we're seeing you know more propaganda and the you know gathering of our private information in our own homes and pockets but and and less and less of this interaction with the The wealthy, unless you look in like the entertainment industry. So it's kind of evolved from that where people were just traveling around, you know, this kind of 19th century, uh, you know, around the world in 28 days type thing.
1: Yeah, for sure. Micah, before I bring you, you know, for me, man, it's like I get a lot, you know, there's always this you know, part of the conspiracy community that always wants to blame it. Oh, Jews, Jews, Jews. And for me, you know, I always push back against that because I'm always like the real, I, my, the real power structure for me is the occults the occultics. And they get us all to fight with each other. I mean, if you take a look at the Nazis, they were deep into the occult. And who did they blame all the problems on? The Jews. And I think that is the exact same thing going on right now. If you take a look at Jeffrey Epstein, you know, everybody pushes this, oh, he's Mossad, he's this, he's that. Well, Mossad, to me, It's just like CIA and just like MI6. And I just think they're an extension of the Jesuits, which is part of the Roman Catholic Church, which is deep into the occult, man. And these guys who walk, you know, I always say that these these people walk around with these, you know, Judaism, Christianity, Muslim. They walk around with that mask on so they can walk amongst us because they couldn't come out and just say, hey, man. I'm into dark arts occult that, you know, involves pedophilia and child sex trafficking. You know, I mean, like, take a look at the Woody Allen doc that's going on right now. There was a consorted effort to protect that guy at all costs, at all costs. I mean to destroy. I mean to destroy the woman making the accusations. To have therapists whose job it is to protect kids to basically call the child a liar. I mean that is the. I always say this, man. It's like you want to know who runs Hollywood? Pedophiles, man. And that is dark arts, occult, man. And I think that is the center of real, real power. It's not a born-in group. It's 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 something you choose to be a part of. And that's kind of my opinion, Mika.
4: Yeah, um, I mean Sharon Tate's husband, Polanski, right? You remember when there was that huge uproar to like protect him, like a few years ago. Um, but to bring things back to what we were talking about of of uh, people in high power, have you ever have you guys ever read a book that um, talked about how Ben no, Franklin was actually a British asset? Yeah, Hell you guys have read club. that.
7: Right? Yeah, Hellfire Club. Yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah, Yeah, I mean, like, you can get into that. I mean, Abraham Lincoln was a Rothschild. There's a discussion. Hitler was a Rothschild. And those, you know, you can get into the whole thing about, you know, Kazarians and the dark arts of the Saturn worship. I mean, that's everywhere. I think that's one of the biggest things I discovered, how you see Saturn worship everywhere, just dark arts occult stuff all over the place. Go
10: ahead, Ryan. Oh, is that you, Joe? Sorry, guys. Right. Yeah, I wanted to make a couple of comments. I made some notes here, and first of all, I wanted to say that it's really great to talk with you guys. I've listened to some of you before. Uh, I want to note on the subject of Nazism and the question of Jews. I don't think that that is a subject that can be written off one way or another as being a matter of simply hating Jews or simply defending that Nazi's had a reason to hate Jews or didn't have a reason to hate Jews, I think that's a way simplified version of events. If you read about that period of history, the German government, I think one of the biggest problems was their interactions with the British. And the German military, the German economy was so powerful and so strong at one point that after World War II, when it was decimated throughout the Weimar years, which were just years of cultural depravity and what essentially was Marxism and the uh, filtering over of the Bolshevik Revolution into Germany, Hitler came to power and tried to restructure the German government. And they did so without a lot of financing from big banks. And the threat that the German military and economy posed to the rest of the world, especially to Britain, caused a lot of, of course, uh, issue with the British government. So the British government, and there's a long, long story here, but the British government Uh, And even Winston Churchill himself said that the war was not fought against Nazism. It was fought against the German people and German industrialization. And I think that if we get to the root core of all wars, as I'm sure most of you know, it has to do with money and it has to do with big banks. And today we know those big banks as the World Bank or the International Monetary Fund. And I think it's really the money changers at the end of the day, those tentacles that reach into every single country, small and large alike, that have most of the control over all the aspects of our life in ways that we don't even really think about anymore we don't typically think about banking as much as we did when we heard about ending the fed and all of these anti-bank movements and as a result of that i think it's interesting on an occult level when we think about banking what is money money is currency so currency is energy and when we use our energy to acquire currency and we take that currency and we plug it into entertainment whether that's music music videos, television, movies, that energy feeds the sigils that are placed in those movies and placed in that entertainment. It also feeds those things that we invest our time and energy in that could be politics or something of that nature. And the entire world, when you begin to look at it from this point of view, becomes magical and becomes what we call a cult. And I don't think a cult, beyond simply being that which is hidden, is a negative or a positive thing. I think occultism is, are the things that lay on the fringe of our institutional understandings. And when we begin to investigate those things that are considered a cult, we realize that people like uh, Manly Hall, for example, and symbols like the Eye of Horus we were talking about earlier, these are not dark symbols, they're not really even light symbols. They're symbols like any other symbol that when somebody uses the symbol, they have an intention in using that symbol. Others have a perception of that symbol. And those who use it for nefarious purposes understand how to manipulate that energy. And so I think we need to be careful when we simply write off or we simply accept something based on a term or based on an association because I think whether you call it Satanism or not, that feeds dark forces and that feeds things that even if they're light, we fully don't understand them. So I think we need to be careful throwing words around like that. And I think that in order to understand the essence of what we're trying to understand collectively here, there's a lot of great minds in this conversation. I think we need to do so with a little more caution and a little more um, structured uh, analysis rather than simply using a lot of buzzwords because it sounds good and it gets media attention in the world of what we do. Okay, I I understand
1: what you're saying. Here's my problem with it. What you're saying right now, it's, it's very much analytical looking at it. But the truth of the matter is, is when you look at somebody like Jeffrey Epstein, there was symbolism all over the place. And whether that symbol is good or bad, the person using it is doing dark art shit. So we could sit around and talk about what the British were doing and what the, what wasn't going on. But we all know that the Nazis were deep into the occult and they used the Jews as the, as the bad guy. And that's what we're talking about so it's that's, very easy to be yeah, analytical sure. about it but it's like that's just the truth whether the symbol is bad or not it's who's wielding the symbol that is the problem and, and see, they did in fact wield it they they made everybody think the jews were up to were up to no good and there was not, actually not, a lot they, more being they, done
10: that's not why they did it if you actually read Mein Kampf they didn't say it was because the jews were this evil group they did it because the jewish people who were in germany at the time most of them were illegal immigrants and refused to assimilate to the German culture. And so these people who were mo- mostly invested in medicine and businesses and law were seen as an alien influence that refused to assimilate. Therefore, they were a threat to the German economy and to the German people who had lost their jobs after the First World War and into the Weimar years. I understand what
0: you're saying. Cultural but, but
10: depravity. You're,
1: that's, that's how are you looking at this, right? Uh, well, I mean, like if a tree to- falls on somebody, is it the trees fall or the guy who tried to cut down the tree? It's just like that, it that, be, that's a very analytical way of, of looking at something. The point of the okay. matter is, is that they were demonized. I'm not I'm not going to sit here. You know, I'm not trying to say I'm not getting into this whole thing where, oh, we can't talk about this subject at all. But what I'm talking about is the propaganda that was put out, whatever that propaganda <laughs> may be. That was actually done, and it was done by a cult. But Germany, Germany wasn't the only one to prosecute Jews. It was like
3: oh, yeah, for sure. sure. We, but we, we don't, don't have to get wrapped
5: Nazis? up. We don't have to get wrapped up in the groups because what we see over and over and over throughout history is that the groups in power are using occult practices. And I, I really love what you had to say, Ryan Gable, towards the beginning of that because I, I had Manly P. Hall on the tip of my tongue this whole time. I'm thinking, I'm sitting here. All of the wonderful information that's available to us in this age of information because of writers and authors who have taken things that were once hidden in secret tablets and secret scripts and now are available in all of these publications. I mean, the Philosophical Research Society, sure, it's a secret society, but it's not, you know, killing babies. So we have to remember that not all secret societies are engaging in child sex trafficking. And when we use the term occult, we're not just talking about the evil side of it, because there are many, many beneficial things that have gotten lumped into this thing called a cult so let's not use the word occult let's use the word esoteric because the word esoteric and the word occult are interchangeable right so well it's there's reason to get
11: they're different yeah i wouldn't say they're they're synonymous they're different but i'm i'm a practicing occultist so maybe to me maybe to you guys i'm the enemy right but but here's the we're thing like
1: really weird on that dude. Yeah, like, yeah, like I don't really think
11: I don't think I'm the enemy and I don't I don't think any like Michael, I know he practices astrology. And I think we're all going through alchemy, we're all understanding ourselves and that's what the occult really is. It was Aleister Crowley and all of these intelligence people and everybody else that made the occult look like crap. The pedophiles, the people that use blood magic, the people that do all these different things that keep us from understanding who we really are as individuals. That is where the power is, right? That's so, I mean, I was great. initiated into Freemasonry. I went through the grades of Freemasonry in the South of all places in the Albert Pike Temple. I saw what was happening. I got out of it. I was initiated into the Golden Dawn. I went through the Rosicrucian stages of learning all about the elements, learning all about the sexual forces, learning all about this stuff. And then I see what happened. It's all politics. It's all power at the top of this stuff. And that's all they do with it. That's why they create these groups so they can structure a power system to influence everybody else. That's what it's all about. Alistair about Crowley it. gave occultism the worst name and that ripple effect hasn't stopped today and it's gotten worse.
10: And think about it from the intelligence angle again. When you had the flower power movement of the 60s it was a counterintelligence operation and it was all about creating passive resistance to warfare and other things. Drugs, sex, alcohol. That was the prominent component of these sex cults and these whatever you want to call them that we've been talking about this evening, you guys have been discussing. However, that is a very similar thing in terms of the intelligence agencies that we saw, and I know this has become kind of popular today, referenced during and after the Bolshevik Revolution in Russia and in the early 20s in Germany when the Freikorps rose up and slayed, it's basically they slayed the the communist uprising in, in Germany. Uh, they had an operation in Russia called Operation Trust, and it was a counterintelligence operation to find those people who refused to participate in the communist revolution, in the new communist government, in the new normal. And of course, people have related that to the 17th letter of the alphabet crap, as far as I'm concerned today, which has acted in a similar way, telling people that you should trust the plan, Operation Trust, and telling people that there's going to be mass arrests. And it turns out there were mass arrests. They were of the people that supported that letter of the alphabet. And it was all run by intelligence Agencies, and it seems to have been also run by artificial intelligence. Uh, and there's a relationship to that quantum computing, the Q quantum computer of IBM and others, and the Central Intelligence Agency and David Petraeus. At a, uh, they talked about it at a conference called NQTEL uh, a couple of years ago. So when you put all that together and you see the intelligence agencies' involvement in these counterintelligence operations, I'm saying that occultism and mysticism and esotericism have likewise been hijacked. And the people that look at it and are terrified of it, yes, there's a meaning there that is very occult because the dark stuff draws dark people to it and then it brings them to the light. However, what happens when we have occultism and esotericism and mysticism spoken about the way we do today, it demeans and degrades those wonderful, beautiful, enlightening things that are written about in the works of people like Manley Hall. And the, all I'm suggesting is we need to take a more balanced approach to it because when we are so so easily... Uh, dismiss, uh, dismissing of those topics, those subjects, those authors, and those t- those those uh, esoteric writings, what ends up happening is we lose way more than we gain than by simply running around calling everybody a Satanist or a pedophile, which they absolutely do exist. And I want to make one more comment and, I, and, and I'll, uh, I'll pass the, the baton. I agree that Epstein and others were involved with tremendous amounts of what you might call esoteric symbolism. I've done... I don't know, half a dozen or more shows over the last couple of years on the secret teachings about Jeffrey Epstein personifying the mythological Minotaur. You look at his island, you have the Minotaur on the island in Crete, and he had these Athenian young children, young teenagers that were fed to the beast, to the monster. If you look at Epstein's Caribbean island, he has these little boxes and these little squiggly lines around his blue and white temple those are representative of the maze, kind of like the maze of the Native Americans, the the, the the quest in life that we all proceed through. And if you relate that to the mythology of the Minotaur and the feeding, the sacrificing of these young children to the Minotaur, to the beast, kind of like Moloch in the Bible, and you see that the Minotaur had a woman who was a part of his mythology called Ariadne, and you relate Gislaine Maxwell to that, you can see that there absolutely is that, angle so-called occult angle to it but i think we have to realize that when you look outside and you see a tree that tree is a phallic symbol but it wasn't planted it didn't grow intentionally as a phallic symbol it naturally is a phallic symbol what it is used for sure can be a representation of something that is phallic in a negative or positive sense same thing with the yoni these are passive and active forces and principles in nature it is natural, it is God-given. When we take those and distort them by looking too far into one or the other, and neither is negative or positive, but when we look too far into the passive or too far into the active principles, things become unbalanced and unhinged, and it creates mass confusion. And I think the mass confusion and the corruption of our perception of reality today is a result of the tampering with those sacred concepts by but- any, everything that's been mentioned this evening. Wouldn't you say that's what
11: Sam is trying to tell you that Hitler did, though?
10: Yes, but Basic. I have a question about that. I have a question about that. I don't understand why the the average person is so upset about Hitler. What did Hitler do that was so different than Mao or Pol Pot or Joseph Stalin? These people no, no, killed no, 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 hundreds. No,
1: totally, one hundred percent. Yeah, I not think that's so. another conversation. But one hundred percent that plays into all of this. But that doesn't change. What, what happened? I agree with everything you're saying, brother. I, I I'm sorry if my energy came off like it was like a confrontational oh, did. I didn't mean it. But it. you know, I, I totally agree with you. Why is why is the, the, the genocides that have happened to the Armenians or happened to Africa where what, I forget the gentleman's name but went through and killed 10 million, 20 million Africans. Nobody talks about King that. Leopold. King
3: Leopold of Belgium.
1: Yeah, that that this is part of the play that gets done to, in my humble opinion, to make Israel possible, okay? And then on top of that, allows certain things to go. So it gets back to kind of like what what we were talking about. There are wonderful occultists out there, but just like a lot of groups out there, it's the small group that does all the damage and then makes the lower groups all fight with each other, right? That's how it goes with every single group. Every group has some bad apples, but the bad apples make all the other apples fight with all the oranges, right? That's that's all I'm saying. Mm
0: -hmm.
12: Everybody forgets the last half of that adage, and it's one bad apple spoils the whole bunch. Not one bad apple gets put on paid administrative leave or one bad (laughs) apple, you know, gets to take some time off to spend time with their family. And that is unfortunate because I know some perfectly lovely occultists. I do. I do. Um, Way earlier, if we could circle back just for a moment, I did want to bring up that Jimmy Savile was supposed to be Prince Harry's godfather. Charles yeah, had I mean, had team. asked him to be his godfather. That's just how like deep sick and weird this whole thing goes.
0: And what timing? Because I've got an episode of Macroaggressions that goes out on Wednesday that's all about Savile. So I mean in, in, and you want to talk about some some dark shit. When when Prince Charles and Diana were having problems with their marriage, they brought in Jimmy Savile to work it out. Like that's so he bizarre. Came to, like, that's <laughs>
1: so bizarre. That dude is <laughs> you know, so ugly. Like,
0: when your marriage is that fucked up that Jimmy Savo wants <gasps> to come in and fix it, like maybe get a divorce. I don't know. Who goes? Badger, give me the sack guy sack in the tracksuit and the gold chain that right, looks like that a out muppet. Who does? Yeah. He's gonna fix everything. Jim will fix it. Don't worry. <laughs> like I just wanted to jump in real quick.
7: Counseling.
4: I just wanted to jump in real quick with a comment about Hitler. Um, this conversation has been very very interesting to begin with but um, Hitler has been quoted as saying that the original Jews were black and that they perpetrated the biggest scam in the world and he was set to expose it so how is that not targeting right off the bat
10: it may be targeting right off the bat but see this is my point I'm not defending or criticizing Hitler or any other group or people I'm simply asking why is it that we use Tools that I, I I think words are tools. We use these tools as weapons to attack or to demean or to support certain belief systems and certain ideologies, collective or otherwise. Simply because it sounds good or it sounds like it's you know accurate or it sounds you know it's it sounds like um, it's it's like a buzzword. And when we know that this kind of uh, terminology and discussion gets really really good reviews and it gets good attention, and it needs this, these types of conversations need to be had. And I don't necessarily agree or disagree with anybody here tonight. I'm just simply trying to look at this from a very, very unbiased point of view. And I think that's, in my opinion, doesn't make me better or worse. I just think that that's a better way of doing it. Because although I agree with virtually everything anyone who's spoken tonight says, I also have disagreements on some of those things. And I think we need to be very, very open to those disagreements. Otherwise, we risk the very thing that we want to... To discover and find out, we might call it the truth or whatever it is. We risk demeaning that because we're too quick to isolate what we consider to be the truth. When often, what we consider to be the truth is just another red herring that leads us astray. I don't know if that makes sense, but that's that's my view.
4: No, no, hundred percent, hundred percent. That does. I I do understand it. I will say though, is is that you're seeing nowadays in modern day times, you're seeing that. The idea of calling someone a Nazi, or and it's been said so many times, but just to bring it up again, calling someone a Nazi or calling someone Hitler, it's, it's losing its gravitas terribly to the point where, I mean, I, I eventually it's going to have no meaning to it, and then something else is going to have to crop up in its place, no?
10: Probably so. I, I don't understand. I mean, it's a, it's a strange thing to me why people are so obsessed with Hitler. And why people don't seem i mean you guys obviously know i'm speaking to a lot of very intelligent wise people tonight but and i don't mean that to 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 pander to you but i'm just saying that i think a lot of a lot of people have been conditioned and brainwashed by the education system to see hitler and what happened in germany as this horrible terrible thing which sure it was greatly misunderstood in a lot of ways as well but we don't typically look at these other atrocities you mentioned armenia there's the bosnia bosnia there's rwanda it just goes on and on and on And I think a lot of that reason is because Germany economically became a dominant powerhouse without the support of major financial institutions. And it threatened one of the greatest financial economies on the planet in Britain. And I think that that's why Germany has been demonized, because you can't have an independent nationalist country, good or evil, Nazi or communist, come to power without the assistance of the giant mega banks. That control the world essentially and that's why I think they've been demonized in the way that they have it doesn't mean they're good or bad but I think the root source really and truly is money of uh, root right. source of evil that is
4: well basically I also remember hearing or reading an article that stated that there was only one Rothschild that died during World War II during the Nazi everything
1: Interesting Dude, 15 Nazis went on trial that's it 15 uh, yeah that
11: is pretty crazy that's, That's pretty,
1: pretty, not so. Sam, would you like that. to go? I think there was another reason why the
9: Nazis get a lot of attention. Okay, speaking as a Jew, I can admit that they were quite stylish. Oh, I'll give them that much. Thank you, know, Hugo <laughs> Boss we needed made their that. uniforms. Appreciate that, Ken. <laughs> he, he didn't, uh, by the way, while, we're, while we're at zones. it, uh, I did want to read a quote from G.K. Chesterton. He said... I could do a great many things before I came to definitively antisocial action, like robbing a bank, or worse
1: still, working in a bank. I'm with you on that, you know, I'm with you on that with OnlyFans going on. Everyone's like, would you like your daughter to do OnlyFans? I'm like, no, but I also don't want her working at a bank or being a politician either, because those guys are scumbags.
10: You, so, guys, do you guys you guys you guys know about the uh the German U-boat that transferred war materials at the end of the war to the United States military and government. Did you guys ever read about that anybody? U-boat 234?
1: No. I wonder if Hitler was on that on his way to Argentina.
10: <laughs> they probably transferred other stuff, but see this this is where we get into the occultism uh, that you guys were talking about earlier, and even stuff that relates to John D. and Edward Kelly and the apocalypse and the end of the world, because you know John D. and Edward Kelly were trying to basically bring about and initiate the apocalypse, and Aleister Crowley essentially picked up where they left off. And we know that Aleister Crowley had performed these bizarre rituals at Montauk, where we had the Montauk Project, and that's where the TV show Stranger Things—that's what it was based off of. Uh, and we also know that Alistair Crowley had gone to Africa and other places to try to summon the devil, basically.
11: He literally now, failed at every ritual. Every massive ritual yeah, he performed, sure. he failed tremendously.
10: and yeah, he, he was a horrible magician. The guy was just a scumbag, uh, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. Um, you, you're right, Joe. Yeah, he was a horrible magician, and, and they've got people worshiping him today, and they sell all the books in the occult section of Barnes & Noble, and that's what people seem to be into because they don't, I don't know any better i didn't know any better i had i had to learn too but um i, I learned this really interesting thing from jim mars when I, when he was alive we were hanging out at a conference and uh, he wrote it in one of his books and it's very well documented and i just wanted to mention it uh, and this is one of my last big thoughts tonight uh, uh boat 234 transferred a, a number of different things to the united states government two japanese officers uh, two dismantled ME-262 jet fighters and a Dr. Heinz Schlick who invented fuses for atomic bombs. Now if you studied the history and this is all about occultism if you'll let me just briefly explain this. Uh, the United States government had trouble developing a fuse that would trigger in the right amount of time the bomb the atomic bomb that was being developed by the Manhattan Project. Also scientists had a very difficult time developing enough and enriching enough uranium to even test a bomb. Now, within a very short period of time after the U-boat 234 transferred this material from Germany to the United States government, suddenly the United States had enough uranium to not only test but to build an additional bomb and they had suddenly a fuse because Heinz Schlick, the doctor, was incorporated into the Manhattan Project to detonate the bomb. Now, right after this, When we had, um, there's a lot of documentation on this, we had the German military fly these giant Ju 390 aircraft from France to within 12 miles of New York City. They photographed the skyline and they returned back. This was in the Washington Post even. And they were theoretically proposing the dropping of an atomic bomb on Manhattan. 15 to 17 kilotons would would have been the, the bomb. Now, the little boy bomb that was dropped on Hiroshima was about sixteen seventeen kilotons. Robert Oppenheimer even said that that bomb was of German provenance now it's funny, and this is where the occultism comes in in Crowley and Jack Parsons. We tested the Trinity bomb July sixteenth of nineteen forty five just a few months after we had uh, top scientists saying we didn't have enough uranium to even test a bomb you know uh we didn't have enough uh, of an ability to build or to test plutonium or uranium bombs. So what they did was the Trinity bomb was detonated at White Sands, New Mexico. When they detonated that bomb, they created an alchemical ritual where they set an empty vessel next to the bomb. And it was just a few years after this in 1947 that we had Roswell and we had an influx of what people call UFOs or Unidentified Flying Objects. The U.S. government published a declassified memorandum six seven five one the day after Roswell, and it talked about how these entities had entered our dimension, and it happened right after the detonating of this bomb. In other words, from Edward Kelly, Edward Kelly to uh, uh, John D to Edward Kelly to Aleister Crowley. The usage of the magical formula and the usage of science has been used to instigate and to bring about the apocalypse. And I think we see that in every form of entertainment. And that I think is what we call Satanism, dark occultism, et cetera. And I think it's an, a, a compilation of so many different things. We have to take a step back and we have to analyze things in a more balanced and objective way. Again, rather than throwing names and Throwing words around that that sound good. That's just my point of view.
2: Before anybody gets too excited about Alistair Crowley, Alistair Crowley's earthly remains are buried, uh, were buried or scattered in uh, a place where cows poop now, which is about (laughs) 20 20 miles uh, due west of where I'm sitting right now in Hampton, New Jersey. I actually went out there so the it's uh, his the old germer estate is actually a a farm now a a dairy farm so um you know let's not get too excited about alice curl i mean he did die penniless in a in a boarding house and addicted to um uh, heroin or opium, yeah heroin so i mean i just i really don't put a lot of stock in a lot of these things i think that the myths and the, the legends are a lot more interesting and exciting than um and the reality in some cases uh you know like people who had said that jack parsons and um l ron hubbard when they went out into the mojave desert to masturbate and wave the swords around you know opened up this portal but yeah i've always said that probably if if a portal was open it was probably you know <laughs> At the Trinity site in New Mexico, you know, <laughs> like you saw in uh, David Lynch uh, showed us in, in in Twin Peaks. The other thing I want to say, because I've actually got it going, but um, you know, it, I don't think it's really useful to talk about the occult anymore because there's actually no such thing. The occult was once um, there were all these texts coming in after the Crusades from uh, the Middle East. Um, you know of all these i mean even things like certain kinds of mathematics were considered a cults uh, certain kinds of astronomy certain sciences were considered a cults it was all the things that were hidden away from the the, the church at the time so um there's nothing occult anymore everything is 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 available i mean any grimoire from uh you know 12th century france is um available to everybody with a few keystrokes so i i think that the, the term occult is, is very misleading and and really almost kind of useless in some ways because there there are so many like i said the, the occult encompassed a lot of things it didn't just encompass you know grimoires and and demon summoning it encompassed you know like again certain sciences and things like that so um you know, I, I think a good baseline to start with is just kind of look at like what what are people's actions? What are, what do people do with the, this information? What do people do with um, you know certain art forms and certain rituals and certain uh, magical practices and so on? And I think that's just a better place to start because you know when you talk about the occult, it's just it's just not a useful term anymore, and it's really something that's been handed down to us through, um, you know, uh, backwoods fundamentalist preaching, you know, which is, you know, as Jay will tell you is, is, is hardly even biblical. And it's, it's, um, it's theology. It's just sort of a catches catch can mix of, uh, pseudo biblical teachings. And, um, uh, I don't know, Scots Irish superstitions and, and folk magic. So. I think we should just dispense with the term and, and again, dispense with a lot of the legends that that rise up against or rise up around people like Crowley and Parsons and some of these luminaries in the field. Because I, I think, well, they're what they represent is interesting. You know, they were actually pretty miserable people who died lonely and sometimes horrible deaths. Uh, and, and, and that's something that would apply to most magicians, whether they were black or white. Uh, you know, a black and white magicians, not, you know, racial, racial, but um, there's, there's a certain phenomena that the people who invest their lives into to the magical arts, um, it, it doesn't serve them well, unless they can find some other channel or, or practice to, to lead them away. I think that, um, I think that the magical arts are just uh, embedded with all kinds of booby traps and all kinds of tricks and traps that lead people astray, you know, even incredibly intelligent people. I mean, we've had magicians, you know, you you know, talk about John Dee and Paracelsus and Caligastro and and all these people throughout history who are incredibly brilliant people who just completely um, derailed their lives. So I, I think it's more interesting in some ways to talk about how ritualism serves statecraft, how ritualism serves the intelligence community how ritualism serves this crossover between intelligence and drugs and and the, the, the you know popular entertainment um, and get away from sort of these what I think are very um, outdated and outmoded uh, descriptions about you know how this stuff actually works I, I just don't think it's Can useful I ask a
10: question I, I I agree with virtually everything that you said but I'm just curious do you think that that means that in order for magic or magical practitioners to have some form of credibility lended to their name, that they have to die with some kind of wealth to suggest that if you die with nothing or if you die, you know, a drug addict or something, that, that means your magical practices or your magical endeavors were useless and worthless. Isn't that kind of the point of philosophy, to basically die having nothing, to realize that the point in life is not to acquire items? What's your take on that?
2: I, see, no, I agree. I, see. I, I agree with that. But you know, I, I think there's there's, a, there's another layer there that isn't just like dying without possessions is not really the, the issue. The issue is how these people just steered themselves into very miserable, lonely, and unfulfilling lives. Um, I, I think that that is is much more common than than people realize. And I think it's it's a very good reason to to keep a safe distance from what is considered or called the occult or esotericism. I mean, it's, it's fascinating subject. And I I think it's, it's worthy of, of, you know, your attention in a lot of ways, but I, I think that the fact that you can just look throughout history and just look around you, maybe people that, you know, um, this stuff can really derail your life. In the same way that things like, uh, you know, ufology can can derail your life or, you know, any kind of these uh, esoteric studies can become all-consuming, can take over your life and destroy them. I mean, that's that's, what I'm saying.
3: Can I hop in here real fast? I I wholly believe that if you consider yourself a a practitioner of magic or whatever it may be and you die broke, you sucked at it.
11: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <Bitcoin>. <laughs> I mean, but the, the whole idea of magic wasn't to I mean, wasn't to manifest things to begin with. That's what that's what people what's, look the at of nowadays. what's the point the point of it actually? is to become in contact with your higher self. And this is why this is why people like Crowley and all these other people that died without anything while they grandstand and make big things of themselves why they always give spiritual people a bad name is because most of us don't care about that.
3: How do you measure how do you measure being in contact with your higher self?
11: Well, that's up to the individual. That's entirely up to the individual, and the entire Western magic system is based on the the Kabbalah, the Tree of Life. What, I, what after is you connect? About.
3: After you connect to your higher self, then what?
11: Well, how would I know that? Because I haven't connected with my higher self. I mean, the are, purpose you, to you, connect Am I with supposed, your, supposed to know the, who God or what God is next? If you connect wow. with your higher
3: self, if you connect with your higher self, one plus one equals two. It's supposed understand. to be a, a ternary or something. Supposed to manifest. I, from I think
11: that. if you just let me finish, I think to what Chris's point was. Is that when you get, let's say you're, you're practicing the Western system and you get to the solar point of that tree where you do become in higher contact with yourself and you get bored and you're like, oh, well, this is what life's all about. It's really just about love. And me making what my own success is and balancing out my emotions, my intellect, my desires and understanding the masculine and feminine energies in me. Now what? So they get power hungry and they keep going towards the tree and they're like, well, we're going to pass the abyss. We're going to learn more knowledge. We're going to dig in and find out who all these demons are and just keep digging and digging until they lose their child or they become, you know, like he said, there are booby traps in the occult for real. Uh, Until you you do something that you're not supposed to do. Which is really every one of us, I don't care how you practice it, whether it's Western magic, whether you're an atheist, an intellectualist, or whatever you're doing, every one of us is coming in contact with our higher selves. That's what I believe. And it doesn't matter if you don't believe in anything. You could be a nihilist for all I care, but eventually you're going to have to deal with yourself. And that's I think- what spirituality is all about.
5: I think I should address this really before we we get into more questions because I agree exactly with what you're saying. Um, I think connecting with your higher self. Is measurable. I think that there are definitely things that you notice when you take on this alchemical working. You, you know, begin to feel a sense of love. I think ultimately you realize love is the highest force in the universe. And then from there, a lot changes in your life. And I think that you know, they've manipulated very clearly this uh, occult stuff to seem like it's all darkness when really it can lead you just as easily to, to light, you know? You know,
3: you know? you know, here's what I believe. I believe that the occultists who run the world and own all the wealth have created this great library which many people study and call benevolent occultism. And then they amass nothing, they die broke. And then the next generation inherits the earth. And they're under the same thumb as the occultists. Because you used your shit. You said, Um, I connected with my higher self. All is done. No, all is not done. You've got to produce. You've got to create something. You've got to leave something for the next
5: generation. And that is what occultists do. I mean, that's. And the, that's uh, why they <laughs> run the world.
4: Well, and you're I not manif- we're not manifesting can I anything. Ask, can, I, can I ask you a question, Mr.
3: Jesus? Sure. <laughs>
4: <Dirt> um,
3: Jesus.
11: <laughs>
4: <laughs> how um what do you how do you how do you find that the law of attraction fails into that though?
3: You attract what you want, right?
4: Right. But when you're talking about hitting levels or or doing that, is it the same path that everybody's going on to find the same understanding or is the understanding different from all of us?
3: I don't get the question.
4: So are we all we're all searching for answers, right? Perhaps. Do you think right, okay. Well, do you think that when you start to go into like the Kabbalah or you start to go into these things, we're all looking at the same texts here. Right? Perhaps. So do you Okay. So do you think that um, us seeking the same thing, do you think there's a universal answer for everyone, or do you think there's a universal answer?
3: Uh neither. I believe that this diving into text is partially a waste of time. Okay. I believe that the answers exist already. It's okay. the intuition you have to follow. Like when we say getting in contact with our higher self, it's being able to listen to your intuition. Your intuition is going to tell you when you walk down the street, do you make a left or a right. Why is of no consequence. You should just mm-hmm. make that left because your intuition told you to. It's the human mind fault of wanting reason for everything you don't well, need reason. reason you don't need reason for everything
10: but you are reasoning and that's i don't
3: i don't question i don't question if i should make a left or a right when my intuition tells me to make a right and i just through, do it i just follow it and reason and cult- reason would say hold on why did i do that i used to do that and now i just say it doesn't matter because if I would have made left, maybe I got hit by a car. But it's arbitrary, so I'm just going to make the right and keep going.
5: And through occult practices, human beings have gotten in touch with their intuition throughout time, and I think that's probably Correct. the first step of this awakening. And so, that's why I asked, what's next? Yeah, and Some and people, I think,
8: you don't have to, but that's, occultism is not for everyone. Like what Hotep is saying, you can reach these... You can reach these convictions and these levels, and you can make these decisions without ever opening an occult book. Not yeah, everyone's right. going to do that. Not everyone's going to do that. And and face it, the the, the majority of the, the the regular public are they don't even read any books. Right. But there are those people who are more intelligent and and they are more inquisitive and they want to know more about the world. And and there are those of us who were born into this world questioning things and we knew that there was more to life than what the mainstream was telling us so I don't think you have to necessarily ever open an
3: occult book to to realize some of these things I'm exponentially exponentially more successful after I stopped studying the occult than I was when I was studying the occult
11: because I didn't really get into it that much until I actually had an out of body experience because when I was listening to Robert Monroe's books on journeys out of the body I thought he was a complete Nutcase. I thought this guy is making up a trilogy about something that's not true. It's not true. There's no way, but it sounded so convincing. I obsessed over it until I did come out of my body. And a lot of this stuff that you do spiritually and individually, you will never be able to prove it to anybody. Not with the rational mind. You You don't, don't, you don't, don't, you will never be able to. To
3: to prove it, it defeats the purpose of learning it.
10: Yeah. You don't have to. To suggest that you were exponentially more successful after you stopped is totally circumstantial. I've got a friend who practices the Ouija board. She's one of the most well-known Ouija board practitioners probably in the world. And she talks to people all the time who say that the board is evil and the board is a demonic device and it's a demonic portal and it's this horrible thing. Yet when I've used it three times, I've had some of the best experiences in relation to the stories that she's told me that other people have shared with her.
7: Yeah, you're it's all talking totally of what I was trying to <laughs> the
3: say. My point is, my point is, or at the board, right? Is study ah. and do work, right? A lot of people get stuck in a study phase and never do any work. You got to do the work. You still got to wake up in the morning and...
10: I don't what? understand what you're saying. I don't understand what you're saying. In occultism and in magical practices, it, I'm not defending or uh, attacking it. I'm simply saying if you look at the major tools in occultism or in tarot, you've got you know, your magical wand, you've got your sword, your chalice, your pentacle. These aren't symbols that have some mystical meaning per se. They're symbols that represent the wand is the will, the sword is the mind, those the things, chalice those is the intuition, are, the pentacle no, no, is the body. No, no. Really,
3: what these, really what these arbitrary items are? All they do is help condition the subconscious mind to help auto-suggestion. Exactly. I can yeah, yeah, I can turn this napkin into a talisman. It doesn't fucking matter, right? I can do without a talisman. It depends on what your auto-suggestion needs, what your subconscious needs in order depends to manifest.
11: Depends on what your you desires. believe.
3: Depends on yes, what
7: you believe. That's, I, I that's, got a question. That's oh, that's a I got a good question. Good. Well, good good. Good. Morning, Jay. how do you What's become a, a talented Ouija board practitioner? How do you be the best of the world in that can i answer
2: that jake, jake you know i'm glad you brought that up because i was friends with with tracy Twyman, and um she um started getting really into the ouija board and she was right. contacting baphomet and stuff and right. i um i remember so telling her like you know maybe this isn't like the best idea you've ever had um she'd be do she'd do these like sessions on on youtube and stuff and I mean, unfortunately we, we know sort of how that story uh, ended. So, um, you know, I'm not saying that the Ouija board is some sort of, you know, great demonic talisman, but I, I just, you know, it, it gets back to what I'm saying It's like people can really get lost in this stuff and you really have to have some sort of sense of distance from it. I, you know, I believe that very strongly and that's why, you know, I, I, I don't, I don't, practice magic i consider myself a mystic you know because i think that magic more often just becomes like ways of of manipulating mystical powers to to gain unfair advantage and and i think that always ends badly
10: have you ever wished somebody to have a good day because that's magic and i don't think that we need to defend or attack magic or any other belief system and i I didn't say i'm
2: not uh, I'm not i'm not attacking magic i i just you know what? What I'm saying for myself personally, and and from my observations, is that I just you know it's kind of like the, the the metaphor I was use is that I don't know if you've ever spent any time in the ocean, but you know when you're say you're you know riding a strong current or something, you've got to sort of work with it and not impose your will on it, because if you impose your will on it, you will drown. You will drown. You you know the you'll be pulled under. But if you learn how to work in harmony with those currents. Um, you can do really wonderful things and become a great surfer or something. Um, but yeah, if, you, yeah, tr- if actually, you try to impose your will on something as powerful as the ocean, or you know mystical world powers, you will be destroyed um, eventually. And and this is something that I've seen, and it's something that I believe. I mean, uh, I I don't think it's always going to happen to everybody, but I I just I've seen it all too often, and it's just why I, I just feel, you know conscience bound to, to warn people against that
10: well i think you i think you're right i i think we're all in agreement i think we're just looking at it from different points of view and trying to quantify it in ways that we're using words that aren't necessarily aligning what you're saying is absolutely true and for some people they use magical tools to help them align themselves with nature this is what witch real witches, not the tiktok witches. this is what w- real witches real pagans do <laughs> attempt to align themselves with the cycles of nature to become harmonious with them. So, I am in agreement, I think most witches, most pagans, most people that practice earth-based religions and magicians would agree fully with what you've said. I just don't think that we can say we should stay away from occultism any more than we should stay safe for the same reasons we should stay away from the Bible or Christianity or the Quran or any other mystical magical text. They all serve the same purpose, what the purpose is just like in any symbol, is based on what the operator wants it to be, and that all relates to what you're saying.
2: Yeah, but this gets back to what I was saying: where occultism just isn't a useful term anymore. Occultism has just become this umbrella term that doesn't mean anything. You know, same thing with paganism. One of, one of the problems I always have with pagans is that they don't realize what paganism was. Paganism was about blood sacrifice to that's not true ensure, that's- uh, to, to ensure a, a better crop that season. Some I mean,
10: practice that not all of them did that you you see that's the problem here you're saying that all pagans base their beliefs off of blood sacrifice that's not true and if that were true all christians base their belief off blood sacrifice all well that's that was that was
2: that was the that was the whole point of the sacrifice of the cross is that the way that was spread throughout europe is that a, a lot of people these missionaries from the church would see and you know it, it did get watered down. It's sort of like, you know, the communion wine became grape, grape juice in some churches, right? So, you know, you would sacrifice incense or something to the glory of the em- emperor in, in, in ancient Rome. But it's all based in in blood sacrifice. I mean, housewives thought nothing of, of slaughtering, um, you know, a, a piglet at, at a temple. It's just, it's just the way the world worked. They, they understood that if you wanted something, you had to give something up. So that's the problem that I have with paganism, that it's really just like watered-down Unitarianism in the end. And, and, and this is something that I've been looking at for a long time. I mean, I don't want to insult people who consider themselves pagans, but I would just say maybe you should consider whether you actually are a pagan.
10: I think, I think Christians, Muslims, Jews, Buddhists, I think atheists, I think everybody who has any belief system that's identifiable or otherwise should do exactly what you're saying. They should consult what they believe look at the origins of it and how it's interpreted in the modern day and see if it works for them or not. Just like when you buy a new car, does this car work for you? Does that new shirt work? Does this job work for you? Do you work for it? You it it, to it, it,
11: it matters time. too, Ryan, real quick. what? How do you measure success? Is it by the dollar bills with all of those symbols on it? Is that how you measure success? Because the entire radio station, the Fringe FM, where I am today, the love that I have for my family and the hole that I came out of, I used the system of Western magic to do it. I wasn't power hungry. I wasn't knowledge hungry. I wasn't trying to have my way with anybody. I was simply trying to understand what was happening to me in my life. And a lot of people that go to occultism, that go to that that practice are people that are disturbed or desperate or have nowhere else to go or nothing else to turn to. That's why a lot of people turn to spirituality to begin with because they've suffered to the point where they understand it I can't control certain things anymore. There's certain things I cannot control. And then you want to understand, well, what are these things that I can't control? And then how do I get into the ebb and flow of these things so that I can have a better life, right? How do I understand myself better? It's the people that can grandize, that become power hungry, that use the symbols for control, that use it for all this other stuff that we focus our energy on every day and talk about. Is why the power is the where it is. It's obvious that this is a misunderstood subject. Can I ask your know?
3: question? Can I ask your question? hmm If we're etherical beings, why do we mani- why do we manifest as physical bodies? Why do we manifest inside physical bodies? We
5: made the choice to come into this dimension to experience this physical incarnation to come back through it. I mean Sam recently had Why? Why? Um, dr mary helen hemsley on the podcast and near-death experience i don't think i need to go in and prove near-death experiences to you guys it's well documented but i think that it's learning right it's evolution it's it's the growth of creation you want to talk about it say that
3: say that last word again the growth of what
5: the growth of creation You just said it right there and we're we're what all.
3: is it that you create after you do your magic
5: a lot and of people come in
3: this world, creation. Do, do do magic, and never create a goddamn thing that anybody but is But when we're doing
5: magic, quote-unquote doing magic, we're interacting with the subtle energy, the unseen realm. Recently, Michael Wan was on my podcast, the My Family Thinks I'm Crazy podcast. Please, everybody, check it out. It's pretty that sounds like a good name. Michael Wan and I were talking about... Michael um, Wan and I were <clears> talking about... <throat> this cultural matrix. And that's all we're discussing. We're just talking about this cultural matrix that's overlaid on top of the simulation. And above that is creation, is this creation energy. I think Michael can do a 10 times better job of explaining it than I can. But really what we're talking about here is all dependent on this cultural matrix through which we explain the the simulation. The goddamn
3: Saudis created a big-ass cube (laughs) in the middle of nowhere and they got people doing circles around that bitch that's That's magic (laughs) yes that's that's That's, that's what is 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 it what is it what is it that people like us on this panel create that people circle around
5: because if you don't do that before you die you ain't did shit but that's the thing. That is what we were talking about at the beginning of this conversation. The powerful empires throughout history are using a cult. So we talk about the Hieramic right. Temple, we talk about Israel and everything that's what, going on there.
3: We, you know, the problem I hate with st- these conversations? Everybody talks about what the bad people do with a cult, and we <laughs> never talk about what we're going to do with the occult.
11: That's exactly
3: right. Well,
5: that's This is what we need to get into. This is, that's, that's what right. I'm saying. This is the torch. This is the spiritual illumination that thousands and thousands, millions, hopefully, will listen to and thus be inspired from. This is what we're doing, Hotep, because yeah. we, were in, we were enveloped into this vessel and made this choice to take on this lesson here on school earth, right? And part of that for all, you know, however many, what is there, 18 of us here right now was speaking our minds and speaking our truth and speaking from our heart because all i am is that i am you know and all that you but are is i am that i am it's
11: cool to take a balanced approach there's something to be said and i can tell you this from personal experience to what chris is saying too there are booby traps everywhere i had stephen skinner on my podcast and i asked him i said why do you invoke demons why not angels why not the elements or the seven traditional planets to go all the way back to the beginning of time why would you go straight after the demons and he said because they give me what I want because I get what I want as fast as I want it and I'm not ashamed of wanting those things well but and you I can also- argue I couldn't argue with him right Look at I mean he was that it, true but- to me about it
4: it's about the big black cube in, uh, <clears throat> in Mecca that actually goes back to Saturn worship. The Jews have the yeah. same thing, too. The Jews keep the cube on their head when they pray.
2: Yeah. It's called the tefillin. The
3: Jews got a wall, and your president oh, right. got to go and, kiss it. And why? <laughs> why oh, every right. president yeah. got to go kiss that Why gosh. is this Saturn yeah.
5: important, though? Let's let let's, let's take I'm a step
3: take. I'm going to explain. I'm going to explain I, Look, Can I explain, can I explain uh, something really fast? Everybody, let
1: Ho-Top me, talk, then Chris, then we'll go next.
3: Here's my point. The evil occultists create things and everybody worships it like the goddamn Christmas tree. Then you got people like us who want to use a cult for good, but we stay in the lotus position our whole lives. We die broke and we never build a positive version of the Saturn cube for people to revolve their lives around that will help them get better. And when people say, you know, is money a good measure of success? You know what I say? For some, it
11: is. For some, it is. I say
3: say it's a great measure of success because the shit is fake. So if you can't manifest some fiat currency into your bank account, you can't manifest shit in this world.
10: But you're trying—you're trying to quantify the material with the immaterial, and that doesn't work very well. And to suggest it doesn't work
2: very well to you, but it works very well for me.
10: Exactly, and that's my point what works well for you (laughs) let
2: me let me demystify saturn worship because i think there's a lot of nonsense about it that's out there um saturn was considered the outermost planet back in antiquity so saturn was the gateway to infinity okay so the whole point is that everybody wanted to transcend time so when you're reading these stories about like fighting with the gods and stuff what, what it's really about is fighting with these these planetary and celestial powers that you you see as gods that have power over you so saturn is the the outermost planet so that's your escape from time so it's the same thing with the eye of horus we talk about algol and, and perseus and i've talked a lot about mithras and so on if you look at perseus in the sky he's rising above the zodiac and the zodiac is the hours it's time it's, you know, the great killer, the great uh, depriver. Time takes everything away from you. It takes your life away from you. takes all your loved ones away from you. And Perseus is rising above the zodiac. And that, that's where we see this whole thing with the duality with uh, with Algol, which is the eye of uh, the Medusa. So Saturn really, I mean, I know I've just read so much nonsense about it, but it really is about transcending time, which is also what uh perseus who's who's actually mithras and vice versa is also about what mithras worship is about it's about transcending times you know the god of infinite time where you, you become immortal you you escape your your destiny and your fate which you know the zodiac determines so i i think that um you know, I just, we see so much about this and, and it really kind of frustrates me because, you know, one of the things I always say is that, you know, the worst supervillains are not the people who who think they're doing evil. The worst supervillains are the ones who think they're doing good. It's for the greater good. You know, they think that they're saving everybody. They think that they're the most virtuous and they need everybody to to line up with their, their understanding of virtue. So when we see things like Saturn and a lot of these symbols that, um, you know, again, that we've had this sort of like backwards, fundamentalist misinterpretation of I mean and that's really what it's about it's you know Saturn is the escape from the planets and the planets are the archons you know when people talk about the archons they're like well what are the archons are they this are they aliens well the archons in the, in the classical conception of them were the planets because the planets had this you know the whole idea of the you know your birth chart and your your horoscope and everything i mean this is this was universal am- among the ancient world so um i think one of the things that you could if you really want to study you really want to learn things you know don't read what like the the uh conspiracy theorists and the the occultists have to say you know like a david ike or somebody you know go back and read the original text and find out what these things really mean and then you can be like oh okay you know and then it's sort of it takes away a lot of this confusion and a lot of this emotional investment that that people tend to have in these things. And you can really understand what these things mean. And they, you know, in my estimation, they lose their power over you and you can, I think you can focus on, I think on things that are more uh, powerful and true in my
5: estimation. I got to jump in real quick because, you know, we're talking about Saturn. I recently had a really awesome conversation with a guy uh, n- relatively new to this whole thing. Uh, his name's Ari Asselin, and uh, he's going into a lot of the stuff that David Talbot kind of was working on, too, with the Saturn myth. And when we look at this astrological history of Saturn and what it used to be as this plasmoidal being in the sky that kind of, I mean, literally what we were talking about is Saturn had a hold on the other planets because of what was going on with the plasma and it actually illuminated the sky and created this kind of golden age that humanity was living in. So if we if they built this rock to, you know, try to bring back this golden age and now we're all worshiping it and going around it. Yeah, I don't think that's. A productive thing, Hotep, but I do think it is worthwhile to understand what was going on in the sky at that time. I mean, Micah Dank has a a great presentation on on the biblical symbolism, and we see that it's all relative to the constellations and the planets, you know, and I think we have well, to see, understand. When you
2: talk, let me just, inter- you're talking about the cube, right? The cube is part of Pegasus. If you if you just look at a star map, you know, Pegasus is part of it's it's a Perseid, right? It's part of the Perseus system of constellations, you know, Perseus road, Pegasus, right? Um, if you look, if you look at that constellation, there's a square within it. You know, one of the things I'm gonna be showing is is showing how a lot of the symbolism in the Old Testament is is stellar and and aligns with these these constellations. So again, this is what I'm saying. It's like so much of this miss you know mystification of these symbols is part of this process where i think they they have what i consider an unwholesome hold on people's imaginations you know whether it's somebody like crowley who thinks oh i'm so bad and i'm so evil and i'm making all this stuff happen you know he didn't realize what the stuff really even meant because he was wasn't nearly as bright as he thought he was and and also you know People sort of looking at it from that other side and saying, "Oh my God, Saturn's like this big evil thing where you know Saturn eating its children." That was time, right? It was Kronos, right? Because time eats us all, right? It destroys us all. And and if you really look at a, a lot of this mystery and uh, mystery school and secret society symbolism, it's about escaping the grip of time. It really is you know it's it's gaining immortality gaining um you know the sense of being outside the prison of time
4: well the thing about saturn though that uh, is interesting is the jews worship their their day of rest is the saturn day or the saturday in fact jesus in the bible he disappears from 12 to 30. why does he come back at 30? it's because the ancients used to say that you're not able to be a teacher until Saturn comes back to the point where you were born, and lo and behold, Saturn takes 30 years to go around the sun. So that's that why Jesus came.
7: Saturday? That's that's not the origin of the Sabbath. Doesn't have anything
1: it, to do. With Saturn.
7: What is it? It comes from the creation week in Genesis one. It doesn't have anything to do with Saturn. It doesn't have anything to do with uh, the planets. It's just the seven day week that precedes. The idea of Saturn worship.
9: Yeah, you I'm really listening. can't say uh, it's. I mean, in other words, the it's words, Saturday the words, like Saturn in English. What I meant is modern-day you know, Jews to day something off. that happened millennia yeah. ago. That's
11: just modern-day modern modern
9: yeah. uh, English wordplay.
11: Right.
4: Right. That's okay. all it is. But it's the Saturday, so it's the Saturday.
11: Well, it's modern-day. It's modern-day magic craft too. Most of the people that practice magic use the seven days of the week to correspond with the seven ancient planets, you know, Mondays, Moon Day, Saturn, Sun. But that doesn't mean it's historically correct. I mean, you have to look at how the calendars were birthed and all this other stuff to see what's historically correct. Uh, I would think anyways, but I'm not a historian, but I know how magicians use the seven days of the week and what they mean, for sure.
9: You don't have to be a historian. You just have to know English isn't that
1: old.
11: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right, yeah.
1: I want to really get into something about, and the reason I really like this panel and put and want you know we all put you guys together is like, you know whatever it is in modern day pop culture, it just seems like it's more prevalent than ever that there is it's you know there's this push for the symbolism whether it's positive or negative or whatever you guys want to call it, uh, in our pop culture. Uh, and it's really out there as much as possible. And I just want to get what everybody's opinion is. I've done some great episodes. Ken, would you like to t- kick us off on that? Yes, first I'm doing my Queen way up right here. Wonderful! You are the winner yes. of America's Queen,
7: as in Freddie Mercury. <laughs> <laughs> Radio Look, Gaga, I'm just come on. Ken. You know I love you, Ken. I'm just joking.
9: No, um, something that I think would pull together a lot of the things we discussed. So like you're talking about pop culture and we talked about um, what what we all know would be called the externalization of the hierarchy, right? Today, people know more uh, and I'm going to keep using the the term occultism. You'll have to forgive me. It's just one of those things. Um, um, It's. We all know that, uh, for instance, something as every day as a music video or performance nowadays is turning into a magical or occult ritual, right? It's in our faces. And I just wanted to read you guys a quote of something I noted in a book I wrote that's called Aleister Crowley's Influence on Pop-O-Culture. How an Obscure Occultist Influenced Culture from Beyond the Grave. And here's what I noted there. With regards to his influence on various forms of quote unquote art, was quite the muse, amusing, when the great artists of old, from painters to composers, et al, commented on their craft, they inevitably made reference to having the goal of glorifying God thereby. Conversely, when the quote-unquote great artists of today commented upon their craft, they inevitably make reference to deconstruction, to rebellion, to smashing convention, to breaking taboos, etc and is it any wonder we end up with that which can hardly be called art anymore but is more about illustrations of shattered worldview philosophies and this is what our culture is feeding us and is being fed is that it's all about destruction it's all about i mean we're we're to the point where we're so fat and comfortable in first world countries that We've attacked reality itself, we've attacked God's creation, we've, we've attacked uh, reality to the point of denying that this universe is a real place. Uh, we've attacked philosophy, we've attacked truth, we're to the point that we're deconstructing ourselves in our own bodies by all these things such as that you can claim to be whatever you are regardless of the law of identity, you're just whatever you are because that's deconstructed, we're to the point of self-destruction at this point and our frenzied rebellion
10: and why do you think that is because we lack a moral code or a moral compass and you can call it religious call it a cult and call it magical call it whatever you want to call it but when a society lacks that moral direction and define morality however you want things become depraved and they decay and we can see this all throughout history you can use the roman empire as an example for various reasons you can use 1920s weimar germany as an example for many reasons In fact, a lot of what's going on today in relation to transhumanism and in relation to transgenderism all came from 1924 transgender Germany under the Sexual Science Institute of a man named Mr. Hirschfeld, where they started the transgender movement in order to manipulate, brainwash, and degrade the German people like any other culture, not just German culture, just like they did to Russia. You can call it Marxist or communist. I call it anti human I call it eugenics. I call it genocide. And we see that happening today because we've essentially lost whatever it is that we call God. You can call it a religious God, call it a magical God. When we lose that direction, we lose our purpose. We start tampering with what you said. We tamper with the body. We tamper with the culture. We tamper with reality itself. Things begin to break down and fall apart. And I think it's a natural breathing cycle that every civilization and probably every entity and every conscious, intelligent being throughout the universe, if there are others, has experienced. It's natural to go through tyranny and liberty. It's a process and it's a cycle, and we're always going to experience it. And any notion that we can stop it, I think, is even more detrimental to the human experience.
6: Mike, would you like to comment? Uh, yeah, Um Like, I want to I want to go back to what what you you brought up a a couple moments ago, Sam, about like, you know, what's going on with pop culture and, you know, maybe try to tie it all in, at least from my perspective. Um, Like we brought we started this talking about about the the Windsors or the or the or the or or just royalty in general. So it's like and, and to Hotep's point, it's like, you know, well, if you're a good magician, you know, like, well, what do you have to show for it? We are all living in someone else's magical world, the money system. Someone created that. We all have to participate in it. This, this whole thing, everything we're experiencing is within someone else. And it's all mind stuff, right? I mean, like, you know, it's, we, we get it, but we still got to play. It's the way we see like what we have to, you know, the, the tools of the game, which we want to play. So, like, undoubtedly we're in their magical world and it seems to getting more and more and more obvious. And, you know, is it's quite evident, like what we think of as the human being for over at least the last 75 years, like ever since they started altering DNA with like, you know, the medicines and like it's being passed on generation to generation, we're changing. I mean, this is no surprise to anyone here. Like, this is changing. So it's like all that stuff in the face. This is like, yeah, this is the, the, the collapse of what you just described. Like emotionally, psychologically, magically, society, culturally. Yeah, this is the magic of destroying this particular time. I just I just want to clean
3: something up. I think money gets a bad rap. And I think we need to delineate the difference
6: between money and fractional reserve currency. One hundred percent. I call. I I talk about money and currency because they're different sort of things. Yeah. And and uh, there's there's like a if you're in this world, if you have to pay your bill, like there is absolutely no problem to saying like I want, I need to go and do that. And there's no problem to say like I'm gonna reject it all and I'm gonna go and figure out how to live in the wilderness. That's cool as well. But here's the thing with money, and this is like you know the point about like the 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 booby traps. Like money's so friggin' seductive. It's like yeah, like and like the i mean <laughs> i mean that's just the case and so it's like learning to find the find that walk and that's you know we each walk our own story our our own you know we figure out our own way the the one point though i want to say and then i'll I'll pass it on is like we're talking a little bit a uh, while ago about like esotericism and occultists and all that sort of stuff from my perspective you know it's it's like you know there's this this bubble with this magic world which we're all like at least partially part of we're playing in their their freaking computer internet and all that sort of stuff. And like we use different things, whatever those things may be in order to get outside of that. You know, I've got my way. I don't like to, I don't, I, I look at it as in terms of either surrendering or control. I'm a surrendering guy, but some people are control people. It's like, you know, that's just kind of our nature. And like, when we talk about those words, esotericism or occult or whatever, it's like using the same sort of ways of understanding the nature of reality for our experience here. So that's it. I'm putting it back in. Thank you for listening.
3: <laughs> yeah, I think, I think the, the allure of money, and like you said, um, I think you used the word seductive. There's a great word for it. That is going to tell you your level of discipline, the connection between your higher self and your ego. I can accumulate a lot of money and it not change who I am because I've been on the other side accumulated a lot of money and allowed it to change who I am. Right. I think it's the discipline that comes along with money. First, getting it. Second, keeping it, (laughs) you know, investing is a whole nother story, but getting it and keeping it. But then like, what do you do with it? How do you help people with it? Right.
4: Oh, tap. Isn't there, isn't there that uh, quote that says, um, uh, what was it called? Um, money just makes you more of who you already are. Yeah, in the sense, in the sense that if you're an alcoholic and you're down to your last buck, you know what I'm saying. You're gonna go get some alcohol. Yeah, You're right. But yeah. if you have endless money, you're gonna, you know what I mean. So money is just a, it's a it's endless a personality up. accelerant, is what it really is. Yeah, yeah. So it's yeah. like
9: it's like what Bill Cosby said about people who use cocaine that they would tell him, "Well, it intensifies my personality," and he said, "Well, what if you're an a hole?"
11: Well, you know, as a practicing magician, too, when you one of the first things that you want to start learning how to do is manifest money. So everything in magic looks like a coincidence. That's how you know it's working, right? Because you can't prove it to anybody else, but it's a coincidence that just keeps happening. But when you say, oh, I want $10,000, for some reason, in the magic realm, or if you want to call it the collective unconscious, or you want to call it whatever you want to call it, this place where we're all connected, for some reason, when you tell that world, I want $10,000, it's like, no, you don't. You want 1200 or you want 5000 But if you magically tell it, I want this money because I want to help this family over here. I want to help somebody else. I want to help my family. I want to have a better life. I want to be able to do things for something. Well, all of a sudden, it just starts coming in on you, right? And you can't. And the first thing you want to do as a practicing magician, right? Uh, you want to go tell everybody, look, I just asked. God or the universe for this because I wanted to help these people. And now I'm giving back and helping them. I'm completing that ebb and flow. This is all we have to do. And these people won't have power over us, right? Everybody laughs at you. They point their finger and laugh at you and say, that's not true. And then they go back and they point their finger at the people going, these are the people that have the real power, the ones that made the symbols on the dollar bills, right? And you're going, I'm stuck in this triangle of this perpetrator savior thing where people don't realize their own power. And People like Crowley and all these other people like the prince and the queen and all these people using the archetypes of prince, queen, priest, and all this stuff, using these things to to enslave you, keep us from learning what we're actually capable of. That's you know you know the was frustrating thing about it.
3: You know who was an a, a angel with a lot of money was Michael Jackson. He was a walking angel on his plane. When he walked this planet. he walked places, Africa... People by the hundreds of thousands would show up to listen to Michael, right? But Michael understood something that the occultists know. The greatest thing to attract people is wealth because it shows you have a mastery over this realm. So if you show up with a Lamborghini and you have a gold palace for a house, there's not a person on this planet that won't listen to you speak. They'll listen to you speak for hours just to breathe the same air as you. So what I'm saying is, as a cultist, you need to cultivate that golden palace, maybe get a couple of Lamborghinis, just so people are actually listen to you and tell you, hey, this evil world we're living in is stupid. D- the people get enchanted by these things, by these little trinkets. So once you possess these trinkets, you can now, again, Pastor me uh, shepherd, right? People are sheep. That's just the fact that the matter is going to be a portion of people that that are going to be sheep. The question is, who's going to be the shepherd?
10: Well, you know what? Think about a symbol like the pentagram. People look at the pentagram and they think that it's negative. They think that it's light. They have many various interpretations. The pentagram represents the four elements and the fifth human consciousness, whatever you want to call it protruding from the four corners of the material world, which are part and, uh, part of the cube that we discussed earlier, the square, the cube, the three-dimensional object that the Muslims, the Jews, and the Christians all worship in various forms. And those five points, the four elements and the fifth point of consciousness, when they are represented in one form, they represent enlightenment. Okay, they I got represent- a question.
7: Uh, so as a Christian, how do you think that I worship the cube? This is new to me. How do I worship the cube? Well, first of all,
10: I've listened to you for a while, and I don't appreciate the suggestion that I'm criticizing Christianity or any other religion. You just I said we worship a cube.
3: Nah, so he was just asking for how. clarification. He just asked for clarification. He didn't take it as a shot. He just said, How are they God's worshiping fire. the cube?
10: Okay, well, I don't know how you can interpret what he's saying because he said it, but I will answer the question. The cross, when you draw the cross out, the cross is the astrological symbol and part of Saturn. The symbol of Saturn, as we discussed, is the cube. When you take a cross and you expand it and you fold it three-dimensionally, it forms a cube. Yeah, but that, that, doesn't, that
7: doesn't mean I worship the cube. So because That's not the
3: origin fire. of the cross. That's not the origin of the cross either. No, the the origin, origin of the, the, origin is of the cross the is, is from sun salutation.
10: Yes, it's the zodiac wheel, and it represents the turning of the wheel, and it represents time. No,
3: no it represents somebody's. Time, it, it, it represent world. it represents somebody who wakes up in the morning, faces the sun, and goes, "Wow, this shit is fucking beautiful." And you look at their shadow, and it looks like the cross. That's, That's the origin of
10: the cross. That's one interpretation that there are mil, millions. See, I, was
7: millions told oh, oh, I was told oh, that. I was told that. I got. A, so you said earlier that we can't reduce these symbols to one thing. And now you're saying that you're reducing the cross to this.
10: Nope, I think that's a leading suggestion. I'm not reducing well, That's what
7: you cross. said earlier. You yeah. said we can't reduce symbols to one simple meaning. They're, they're I did say that. I'm not, I'm not you reducing just, not You just good. said let, the, let, let. the cross there is a cube. So you just did that.
10: Everybody has an inter. Yes, and I'm saying that everybody has their own interpretation of what the pentagram is. Everybody but has their own interpretation of what You said the everybody
7: who's a Christian worships the cube.
10: Well, they do in essence, but they also worship the cross under various other different definitions. But the you definition had to do
7: like origami to get to,
10: to, get the,
3: to get the, 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 the cube. <laughs> Why is that
10: funny? It is the active and passive principles. It's the phallus and the yoni, the vertical and horizontal bar. That's another interpretation of the cross. If you turn it sideways, you get the X. You get the active and passive principles of fire so you, and but water. you keep
7: flipping back between it being the case and it being an individual interpretation. So it can't be both of those things. Like is yeah, it objectively absolutely. that or is it just but, it,
11: but it see th- but it can in magic things can be uh, a symbol doesn't have to be one thing or the other the circle right. especially sacred geometry right, but his uh, the circle has is many the cross truths is the to it cube the, cross is has the, many the cube, is cube
2: isn't Saturn is. neither. that. that's the, the cube is not Saturn I and mean, Saturn is the hexagon because it's the yeah I'm not planets, yeah
10: so. That I agree Make a hexagon, one. and you can create a cube out of that. But that's not the point. The cross can be turned into anything you want it to be turned into. Turn it sideways and bend the edges. You get a swastika. It's the sun wheel or the sonin rod. There are various interpretations that you can derive of the so cross. Is it the, subjective
7: and interpretive, or is it something that's objective? Can you tell me which it is because it's one or the other in your argument?
10: I believe that it is both, Jay. I think that you can have an interpretation, and your interpretation is right based on your belief system as a Christian. I have no belief system, nor do I have a belief system that I'm an atheist, you know, as if that's some uh, opposite belief that people have.
7: All truth is relative is what you're saying.
10: I don't even say that it's that. I think things just are. I think it's I am the I am. I think that things are as we perceive them and our perceptions change, and we should allow them to change, whether that's through science or it's through faith. And I think that we need to allow ourselves to change our perceptions and not hold on to a belief system because if we do that, As long as we don't abandon our faith in the advancement of knowledge, if you will, as Solomon asked for wisdom and was granted wisdom for wisdom's sake, kind of like Joe was saying, then I think that this allows us to have a much more... Uh, balanced approach to the way in which we view the world rather than identifying ourselves as Christian or Muslim or Atheist or Jewish.
7: Okay, but what you said actually is a belief system. So just saying I don't have a belief system and then saying those things which are a belief system. It's
9: a belief system of not having a belief system. But incidentally, Solomon didn't ask for wisdom for wisdom's sakes. He was asking for wisdom because he was a very young man who suddenly became king. He straight up needed the wisdom that would be utilized to rule his kingdom.
11: Solomon so, took yeah. a dive too, by the way, at the end of that story. Hey you know.
4: guys, I I guys I need to jump off.
11: <laughs> yeah, I yeah. do
2: too. It's uh I really enjoyed it though. And uh let's do it again sometime.
3: Yeah, yeah, I gotta jump too. Um I just want to say a quick shout out to everybody on the panel tonight. Um I think it was a, a great, great group of minds, Radio, Jay, um Radio uh the call in user guy. Ryan um Gable. ken mark great great chris great minds michael i loved your mind odd man out micah great minds i enjoyed my time here i gotta go love you guys see you next time thanks tip,
2: likewise yeah good night gentlemen thank you
7: chris, night, chris. thank you man have a good night thank you, guys you too bye-bye i gotta run to you later take it easy jay well yeah
9: my meal time is calling me i I think I woke up around three thirty today. I'm absolutely white.
11: You got cornered, Ryan. Did you see that? You cornered <laughs> yourself with your perceptions.
10: Right? Well, they can they can corner me all I, I want, see. but a belief is a belief and having no belief system is having a belief system and I'm not I'm not interested in defending or attacking a belief system. I just don't like the obsessive, compulsive collectivization of Christianity as a warlike uh, ideology that has to be waged on other people, and i don 't like how people use it as a destructive tool to free thought that 's what i don 't like no I,
5: absolutely, and I think you you 've done a That's good job of, for making a case for you know the occult and uh, as not what Christianity portrays it as. you know I think you did a great job of that tonight, and i don 't want anybody to think that uh, it, we were all fighting about anything here because you know, we're all going to come from different uh, paths to to reach the Mm -hmm. same truth, right? So even though Christians tend to look at all the occult as one uh, thing, and that thing tends to be wrong, I think there's historical reasons for that that are worth analyzing. And once you do, you might see that we're all believing in creationism. I kind of think that's the the overarching truth really is that this is all consciousness and this is all uh important for the growth of our personal development and our consciousness i don't know uh everybody kind of bounced. mike's here hey uh, yeah man can i i'd like to ask a question uh to you guys
8: especially joe cuz i know he's very versed in these things um Because I, too, am a Christian, but I'm not like trying to be any kind of, uh, you know, I'm no representation of anything because I'm half crazy. And I'll admit that. But um, I do like to look into the occult, man. i got tons of occult books back here. I listened to Manly P. Hall just today. This is something I wanted to put out to you guys and and just get your ideas because I'm an open minded person. Listen to Manly P. Hall talk about the alchemical process and how things have to be destroyed in order to make something anew. And, you know, he talked about order out of chaos in that same process. And the first thing that I thought that popped into my mind was the great reset and build back better is if you understand that, you know, of course, hidden things, the occult can be used for good or bad. And we I'm sure you guys will probably agree with me that our rulers You know, the ruling elite, whoever you want to talk about, they, I believe they also believe in the occult and they're using it like Sam calls it the dark arts. So they are trying to destroy the present order, if you want to call it that, to build their own new world order. And so I was just kind of curious on how you guys saw that, how you see that.
11: Well, that's exactly what they're doing. To get, to get into the ebb and flow of things, to get into the ebb and flow of nature, of, a, of the astrological forces. I mean, it's no, why is the United States, the big power in the military when they're building is using the archetypal force of Gebrua from the tree of life? You know? you know, it's like, oh, you know, it's the Pentagon. The Pentagon is the archetypal force of Mars. They're putting that big symbol up there to, you know, lay it down and say, we're the king of war here. And they did it very well. And they're doing the same thing with money. They do it. I think what you'd find even more interesting is how they get into the ebb and flow of when things are timed. Look at uh, certain things that happen like shootings or things that are not 11 or things that are really obvious uh, to, as to what's going on. And look at the planetary day, the planetary hour this stuff happens. Look at all of it. You'll see that they are tapped into it in a certain way. And there's not one big person and some of the best astrologers will tell you this, that there's not one big person out there that has a lot of power that doesn't have an astrologer somewhere. They all have a hidden astrologer somewhere, man, that they go to because astrology, essentially the occult is astrology, alchemy, and understanding that magic, understanding alchemy. It's all alchemy. So if they get into this process of, birth and rebirth death and all, what you're seeing now the great reset well they're doing it for you you can just mm. be a little sheep and just go along with the program and they'll play with the forces and until you learn that you're the one that has has it inside you and you don't then it has no power over you, you can see what they're doing you
8: know? well isn't that pretty much what our foreign policy has been for the last hundred years is like isn't that like the don't you think that's kind of like what they've, been reach- what they've been reaching for since World War I is to destroy a certain order so they can build their own type of order? Yeah. Yeah,
10: yeah and you know what? That's unfortunately, and I think that I, it's unfortunate we're all in disagreement slash agreement about certain things that we actually agree on. I don't understand why there's confusion about the agreement and the disagreement. Christianity, like any other religion, as a result of what you're saying, is under direct assault and attack. Any belief system and anything that is holy or anything that is divine or anything that is the higher self, anything that is personal, anything that is, that is truly uh, uh, the essence of God is under assault. Christianity, Islam, Judaism, etc. But Christians and Muslims and Jews and others are so hell-bent on defending their belief system, they can't recognize that their brothers and sisters are under the same assault by people that do not believe in the divine. And those that do believe in the divine, they want to conquer it and they want to overthrow it. And I find it really interesting that if you study communist dictatorships like Russia, for example, Joseph Stalin and the communist government wanted to eradicate religion because they wanted the state to be the religious party. They did not want God to exist because Stalin was God. And that's what we're seeing happening on a global scale now. This is very confusing why Christians and Muslims and Jews and Buddhists and others even Buddhists, just yes, fight over their belief system when all of them are under assault by people that want to destroy people's faith in the unseen and the divine.
8: Don't, real quick, and I'll let somebody else talk, but don't you think that uh, possibly that's because of the propaganda that we're assaulted with 24-7? Like, they're trying to tell everyone that all these different groups, that this group is against you. You know, they're trying to divert our attention away from who's really against all of us.
11: Yeah, I That's definitely do. Uh, I'll let you take the, the, this, Ryan, because i got to go. I have to make a phone call. But it was really nice meeting you guys, especially um, Michael. It was good seeing you again. Charlie, it was good to meet you. Odd Man Out, Steve, Mark. Thanks for letting yeah. me on here. Mike, Midnight Mike, my favorite person on the planet. Thanks for letting me come on. Hey,
5: See you time. guys. Nice Speaking you soon. of that, Michael, Michael you had something uh,
0: to say? Yeah. We need to thank The Fringe FM for carrying the show uh, live uh, for, for the first two hours. We really appreciate that, Joe. Uh, yeah, it was a lot catch, of fun. Awesome. People can catch Joe's show. People can catch Ryan Gable's show there as well. We're going to wrap it up, but let's go around real fast and want everybody just tell us who you are. Tell us where the people can find you. Let's start with Mark.
5: <laughs> All right. So, uh I work for Sam, obviously, but uh, I have my own podcast called My Family Thinks I'm Crazy. You can check it out where all podcasts are found or go to com. But it's been a pleasure being on here with everyone and everyone who left. Uh, I'm sure we'll put all their information in the show notes so you can check out who else participated in the conversation and and get their uh, podcast links. But go ahead, Steve.
12: So, uh, I'm Steve Poikinen. I host a show called Slow News Day, which you should find on the Rockfin before you find it anywhere else. Um, Accounts free. Um, I also co-host the Free Assange Vigil and Anonymous Bites Back. Um, If you're anywhere near Washington, D.C. on St. Patrick's Day, come out and see us. Uh, We're holding uh, an event um, to kind of raise awareness about the U.S. government trying to take international jurisdiction over the press and torture a journalist and publisher in the process. There's a secondary fuck censorship protest that is going to meet us. Uh, We will be marching at that point from CNN to Google. Um, We are encouraging civil disobedience and free assembly while we still can. Yeah.
6: Michael. Michael. Uh I'm Mike Juan, I'm with Susquehanna Alchemy. You could go and find my stuff, uh probably the best place is Susquehannaalchemy.com. This was a lot of fun. It was very interesting to hear a lot of different perspectives. <laughs> I enjoyed listening to get all heated. <laughs> you grown men <laughs> uh odd man out it's i'm uh, I'm a little disappointed that i did not get to respond to the the very thoughtful question you put up at the end because uh i've 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 gone deep into that and we could have an interesting conversation maybe that could be in the future but anyway everybody uh this was a lot of fun thank you for having me It was great to meet y'all odd man out
8: all right man i just want to say uh charlie it's been a pleasure man i, I much respect to you. I just want okay. to say, uh, as a guy who also shaves his head, I didn't. I wore a hat because I was like, if two kind of pale guys were, it's that are too bald, much. yeah, it, people might get the wrong it's, idea what kind of show this is. It's too okay? much
0: sexiness. I understand and I appreciate that. That that's yeah, it, that that's thinking. You know, for the for the common people, we get we get you know balanced out by Steve,
8: right? All that hair.
0: That's yeah, and my so wife idiot.
8: said too, she said that she saw a picture of you uh, yesterday and she said, you know, uh, you and Charlie could almost be brothers, but he's a little bit more handsome and way more successful than you. <laughs> like, these uh, women who are so brutally honest, I don't know, man. But anyway, uh, my name's uh, Odd Man, and uh, I have a show called The Oddcast featuring the Odd Man out, and I talk about a lot of cool stuff the occult, secret societies. I like to really get into a cult or uh, not a cult, but politics and like documents and and stuff like that 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 really kind of shape our world. So you can check me out on um, really the best place to find me is alternatecurrentradio.com, but you can find me on pretty much all the different platforms.
0: Awesome. Brian Gable, we'll wrap up with you.
10: Yeah, I appreciate you guys having me on tonight. I know it might sound like I'm heated. I'm not really heated. I'm just trying to understand and investigate and analyze whatever word you want to use. All the things that we consider occult, religious, whether we call them parapsychological, parapolitical, pop conspiracy, occultism, alchemy, magic, etc. I just want to look at those things and I want to try to find a better understanding of them, better subjective and circumstantial for myself so that I can share that with my audience on The Secret Teachings. I don't have a belief system that I'm trying to push. You can call that in and of itself a belief system. Sure, I'll concede that because I'm not trying to defend my point. I'm not trying to attack your point per se. I'm just trying to gather information and provide it to my audience. And that's what I do on The Secret Teachings five nights a week on the Fringe FM. If you're interested in what I do, I also guest on other radio shows like The Kev Baker Show and on occasion Ground Zero, Lighting the Void with Joe Roop on the Fringe FM. My website is www.thesecretteachings.info. I've written a number of books. They're on the website, Uh, one on food, one on artificial intelligence and the entertainment industry, the music industry in particular, and a giant compilation called Occult Arcana, which looks at everything from mythology and symbolism to the origin of religion to uh, even voodoo practices. It doesn't promote. It doesn't defend it doesn't try to uh, make a case against or for anything it's just an observation of reality which is what science is and which is going back to the ancient world what mythology used to be it used to be an observation of nature which was the first form of scientific investigation i think we should bring all these things together astrology astronomy science and mythology and i think it's only then that we'll have a better understanding of the world that we live in and therefore life Hopefully it will become a little bit simpler and a little bit more easy to understand. Thanks, guys. I agree.
0: I totally agree. And to have all of these people with a variety of backgrounds and different understandings to get together and work this stuff out. This is how we do it, man. This is this these are the conversations that have to happen. I'm I'm grateful for you guys jumping in and getting involved with this. I host a show called Macroaggressions. You can find that wherever podcasts are served, Midnight Mike the host of obdm the funniest podcast out there check it out we're very very appreciative of everybody and alex jones stopping by of course uh thanks everybody if you like this show share it get it out to your friends and family um and spread the word and we'll be back in two weeks thanks everyone
2: Give me money. Give me bitch. I need money.
8: (laughs) God bless you. We'll talk to you soon. Great job.